On a Sunday morning, sat a maid forlorn with her sweetheart by her side. Through the window pane, she looked at the rain. We must stay home, Joe, she cried. There's a picnic too at the old point view. It's a shame it rains today. When the boy drew near, kissed away tears, and she heard him softly say, Wait till the sun shines, Nelly, when the clouds go drifting by. My name is Bill Wilkins. And I'm 72 years old. I come from the grave. discuss and break down horror movies not horror films and i'm your host boss tuna with me as always is uh that honey-haired piece of shit the the raging cajun himself nice try t-boot nice try but this is the joe blow horror show and i am boss tuna welcome back welcome to the third and final of our summer of the fall of the hopefully not Christmas of the Conjuring. So we are here to wrap this show up. Tibu, as always, uh, we got the honey-haired Mr. Lilac Breath himself, Hogzilla. What's up, Herbal Enchanter? No, yeah. Uh, like I was saying before we started, I moved heaven and earth, literally moved earth to be here. And I couldn't be more excited because fuck me, I'm always here. We've got some special guests, some super special guests. 
We do. We do. I don't know about you, but I'm almost getting burnt out on recording all of these episodes. So it's, it's good to be, <laughs> it's, it's good to be wrapping this up. No, oh, but yeah. for reals, let's, let's introduce the, 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 the two gentlemen that are going to be carrying us off. I mean, we're, we're, we're like in the chariots and we've got just these mushers that are keeping us on track. Like, you know, let's go, let's, let's see, let's see how we're going to end up with this final movie where it's going to be in our ratings. <sighs> Without further ado, I would like to introduce our first guest. He hails from across the seas. Somewhere out there in the Scottish Scottish background, we have Mr. Duncan McLeish. So he is right off the heels of his summer series. Um, when he's not planning his new podcast, Haggis and Pints, uh, he is joining us here on the Joe Blow Horror Show. So thank you for, for taking some time and joining us, Mr. Duncan McLeish. How are you, buddy? I'm doing really well. Your uh, Scottish accent has improved leaps and bounds since last year, so... <laughs> Um, I'm just going to put that down to the ridiculous amount of whiskey uh, that you've been drinking. It'll eventually get you. It ruins the vocal cords, and hence why you sound like this. Uh, no, it's um, it's my pleasure to be, to be back here um, tackling a franchise that I don't have much love for, but I'm super curious to get into. Um, so mm -hmm. unlike last year, where it was a film I hadn't seen in like years and came back to and it was a big old soapy hand job um of a review this one here um Double it's gonna be fun twist. let's put it that way yeah the twist in action act the things you do to me call uh, <laughs> the things i wish he did to me yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah I, i'm i'm over the moon to be here with yourself and travis and uh yeah and and your other guest who and this is the first time i'm recording with them so uh we're like ships that pass in the night never quite in the same dock but um mm -hmm. for the first time we are and Landmark. here's here's my cue to to put in the cherry pop and daddies right now because <laughs> We, we have joining us for the our final guest is someone who's going to sound familiar. And part of me is like, God, it's been a year. It's been so long. But I have such good memories of recording with you two. It feels just like yesterday. But uh, we have a very special guest here. He is also a very, very busy podcaster. I'll tell you what, between these two podcasts we have on, if you literally go on any podcatcher and search for a horror podcast, probably two thirds of them that pop up are going to be between these two guys. So with us right now, we have a very special guest. When he's not out as a, a touring musician for Guar, he's planning his 83rd horror <laughs> podcast called Pig Headed Horror Weekly. So let's give uh, the yes. Tom Adkins of horror uh, uh, some love here and welcome him back to the show. Jay of the Dead. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me here. It's an honor. And I just got to tell you, and this is straight up sincere. Last year, when you had me here, it was literally one of my funnest times of 2021 because that whole year was like hell for me. And you guys, that guest appearance was one of the bright spots for real. Thank you. Yeah, fucking A, man. I'm serious. That's, that's Thank awesome. you. I appreciate it. And let's let's hope that um, we can keep that that magic going here with with <laughs> this episode here. So and hi, Duncan. It's it's a pleasure. I've I've always wanted to podcast with duncan so thank you for this opportunity as well it's getting so exciting joe blows <laughs> facilitating that shit cuz yeah that's glad. right yeah match.com a horror podcast <laughs> <You win. Yeah. laughs> although let's be real here it's probably not match.com it's probably like 
like grinder or something. It's a dog friend finder. But however you want to, however you want to play it um, before we go much further, I'm not sure about uh, you gentlemen, but with all this Scottish whiskey, I've had all this cigar smoke in the air, my vocal cords, my pipes, they, they need to be lubricated a lot more, especially because they're going to be rub raw tonight. I'll have to unhinge that jaw for, for later, but we better stop into the Teddy Twister and have ourselves uh, a cocktail or two, huh? Yeah, bud. Well, Jay of the Dead, um, are you going to be our, our designated driver again? I sure will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm going to get I fucking wasted, son. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's bad. He drove all the way back to, to, to Scotland to, to pick up this guest here, so he got a, he got a long <laughs> night ahead of you. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know who wants to go first. Um, I can go first. You go first, buddy. Yeah. I don't have anything without an E, um, but uh, I do have Voodoo Ranger, so it's got an E. And this is the a different one than I normally have. It's just their regular old IPA. This is not the Imperial. But don't worry. On deck, I've got the Imperial. And then coming up third is the 90-minute IPA from Dogfish Head. That's a strong boy. That's one of them strong Ooh. boys. But I'm going to go ahead and say uh, – Cheers to T-Putts and te- cheers to Jay of the Dead's new horror movies. Check out those podcasts, everybody. They're fucking good. I hope, did I fuck that title up? I hope I didn't. You nailed it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I know. I, I, everyone's as surprised as I am that you actually got it right first time. Boom. <laughs> yay. But, yay. I don't I even get drinking it right. yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll go next, Mr. Duncan, because, you know, I can't record with with duncan and not have a little something special to pick up so um i did stop earlier today and pick up oh nice another little bottle uh yeah the balvenny yep yep so this one's a 12 year aged scottish whiskey and it's you know i it doesn't have the e so it must be legit but (laughs) as a chaser i've got a little something else too and i almost picked up oh wow nice but yeah, I thought this one was was kind of relevant to the series because this is a brew dog uh, mm-hmm. Elvis juice, and I can't help falling in love <laughs> with Jane Duncan. So a little little uh, throwback to Conjuring <laughs> Two, and there's a little bit of a little bit of a nod in the this one Conjuring Three here. So figured we go mm-hmm. give a little shout out to that. So Duncan. I know you always have yeah. a little something to the table. What do you got, bud? Um, I've got, uh, tonight I'm on a, a 12-year-old Bunahaben. Now, the, the great thing about Bunahaben is uh, because it's Gaelic, um, it has about 45 letters in it, and none of them resemble the word. Uh, so, um, yes, yeah, so if you try and Google it, don't. Uh, is the easiest way to describe it. So it's a single malt. Um <laughs> And it's just that, just that for me tonight, because I've already had a few beers and I am working early tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and I want to be able to manage that without the the crushing inevitability of the hangover you get the older you get. So that's right. That's right. Like yeah. like 15 years ago, I'd be able to do half this bottle in that six pack and still get up at 7 a.m. and function. 
yeah. if I did that now, I would be probably in the ER and then moved into, you know, intensive care for a week. So yeah, you end up walking kind of similar to the lumbering uh, corpse in the movie we're going to be discussing tonight. You know, that one that just kind of gets, well, that's me yep. in the morning. Um, and yeah, with all the grace and panache. Uh, so um, the thing about it is, this is what I love about you, Cole, is like you, you treat it with respect. Like, if you watch a slasher movie, <laughs> like they just, they're, they're just necking um, like things like Lag of Villain and stuff like that. It was that Friday the 13th remake is, the, is one of those ones where they're just drinking it straight from the bottle. If you were to do that in real life, you would die. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it wouldn't be mm-hmm. it wouldn't be Jason that would get you. It would be the whiskey. Yeah. Uh, so I brought my crystal. So Duh, what a guy. I don't, I don't like drinking during the week, but it's, I mean, it's podcasting. So I, I got to have a little bit here and there. So something. Yeah, something I usually wake up in the drunk tank and then that's how I start my day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your boss is coming to pick you up. Wake up. Fucking kicking me in the, the fucking cop, head man. and shit. Yeah, free meals. Can't beat it. All right. Well, I think uh, we've, we've delayed this long enough and we better let the listeners know, as if they don't already, what we're going to get into. But the final movie of The Summer of the Conjuring is The Conjuring the Duncan made me, I mean, the devil made me do it. So let's hop into this and have us a little conversation and find out where people land on this third, but probably most divided of the franchise question mark. We'll find out. I don't know. Find out. The court accepts the existence of God. Every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. You okay there? Jesus. I think I hurt someone. In 1981, Arnie Johnson pled not guilty. We think this family was cursed. By reason of demonic possession. I am not going before a grand jury and saying he was possessed by demons. Whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. The Devil Made Me Do It is a 2021 movie rated R, clocking in at 112 minutes. This one is directed by Michael Chavez or Chaves? Ch- Chavez? I'm not really sure. I don't know. Uh, I'm Scottish, so don't ask me. Yes. <laughs> Michael Smith. Yes, um, there you yeah. go. <laughs> so. He's got a couple, couple other directing, I guess, 
efforts underneath him. The curse of Yayarona looks like La Llorona, but I know Venom would, would have me by the nuts if I, didn't, <laughs> if I didn't at least put some effort into that. Uh, this was written by, I tell you what, this guy, I'm just going to go ahead and say the writer of this movie is probably an asshole in real life because anybody that has <laughs> is, I just, I'm, I, Man, I just how many how many names does he have? His name is David Leslie Johnson McGor Gold Goldrick Goldrick something. That's his. That's his parents' fucking fault though. That's not his fault. But it's not because he's got a different. He's got a lot of writing credits and his name's different. So he just, you know, how pompous uh, you got to be to just keep throwing fucking surnames in there. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. But. Anyways, he's a decent writer. He's done Orphan, uh, The Orphan First Kill. He's done a bunch of Walking Dead uh, movies, Aquaman, Conjuring 2. So he's clearly a buddy of uh, James Wan. Mm. Uh, This one's starring Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as obviously Ed and Lorraine uh, Warren. This guy here is probably neighbors with Duncan. Just by looking at his name, it looks like Rurari (laughs) O'Connor. And hey, oh dear. yeah, I tell you <laughs> what, though, the best acting in this movie might be him hiding his his Irish accent because that's got to be as thick as the butter they churn over there. But I couldn't <laughs> tell. So. Um, but he played Arnie. Uh, Sarah Hook played Debbie, and then Julian Hilliard played the little boy. But he's going to be very familiar to a lot of people that are paying attention because he was. Um, yeah, he played David, but he was in Colorado space and he was in the haunting of Hill house. So he's hmm. just a little kid, but he's got some chops underneath him. So anything you guys have or want to add with the production or, or the cast or anything of this, <clears throat> of this third one here. I'm sorry if I missed it, but I would just shout out to Ronnie Blevins and uh, John Noble. I love those dudes. Yeah. It was good to see them in here. Yep. Yep. I think uh, Noble is, I think this movie, is he the one that returns as the, um, he's the, the priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. yeah. Father Kastner. Yeah. From, yeah. And, and better known from uh, the Lord of the Rings franchise. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What were you yeah, saying? Was, uh, no, just nope. I, I wanted to say nope. that this yep. film pulls me Sorry. full of Irish. Full, of, you son of a bitch. Full. Of, <laughs> <laughs> you ruin it. Full of Irish butter and Elvis juice. Fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> that's what he's doing now. He's derailing my thoughts. Um, was he? Was he Theoden in fucking? Um, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't I didn't catch that. Damn, he looks different in this movie. I'm glad he wasn't eating. I'm glad he wasn't eating. Wait, I'm getting him confused with someone else. So he's he's the he's the king that Brad Dourif kind of talks to. No, he isn't actually. No, he's the guy it's, that eats the tiny the, tomatoes that's and right, that's bleeds right. all over himself. Yeah. Yeah. While fucking homeboy sings gloriously. Yeah. His name's Denethor, I guess. Denethor. But I, I, I don't yes. know all, all their names like that. I just no, you're right. It's Denethor. Yeah. Side tangent. <laughs> well, it's all good. However, yeah. I was gonna say I'm trying to follow you guys, but I've I've only seen those movies once. So I'm just in the back <laughs> and we've that. never had sex, so that's why yeah, <laughs> that's why we know the names of these characters. <laughs> Extended edition. And that's a euphemism. <laughs> we'll change that for next year. Yeah. <laughs> In fairness, those movies are that long. If you start watching them now, me and Jay can be back next year to do our appearance. We <laughs> might just be yeah. finishing them. As long as you don't watch the extended cuts. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. No, about production. No, I, I didn't take any notes about this movie. 
um, as far as production goes. Okay. But I was excited, like to, to lead up into that, I was excited whenever this movie was announced, mainly because of the subtitle of it. Mm. I was like, come on, how cheesy, but also metal is this, is this subtitle? The devil <laughs> made me do it. And I was kind of hoping going into it that it would skew more into uh, the cheese territory. James Wan did that with uh, Malignant. And I understand this is a different director, but you, you know that James Wan was like breathing over this dude's shoulder the whole time, breathing down his neck, you know, because it does have the James Wan stamp. It, it seems it, the atmosphere and the mood, at least to me, from the first two carry over into the third one. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of ties in a little bit of the trivia I have. So the title is a direct reference to the 1981 uh, Arnie Johnson trial. So all of these have been loosely based off of true stories. And uh, this one is an interesting one. I, I think a lot of, I mean, let's face it, one of the most popular things to pop up in the last probably five years has been uh, true or uh, yeah, true crime, whether it's mm-hmm. shows, documentaries, podcast so i i think that shit's always been blowing up man unsolved mysteries like <laughs> everybody loves true crime they always yeah love that but shit. it's in the last couple <laughs> years it's like you know my wife who used to watch nothing but the bachelor is watching some weird crap how to kill how to kill my <laughs> husband much, and get away with yeah. it <laughs> yeah. and she is Net, netflix Net, netflix has found yeah. the niche now specifically they've, they've picked up the the niche that like an hbo hbo used to do them but it'd be like maybe like one every other year you would get a really good high quality like true crime documentary netflix appear to be able to churn them out about six a year now um which i think is what's what, what's kind of peaked interest and also that it's kind of it's trundled its way back over into pop culture um a bit more than it has been in the past we've had a couple of movies there's still a few on the horizon um mm. that are specifically dealing with kind of mass true crime incidents so i can see it kind of starting to work its way through the conjuring's always kind of done it but has done it in the sneakiest possible way um and it's one of my my, my bug bearers I, i'm not one of these kind of you know i hate the conjure movies i just I, I the maybe more than a lot of movies play very very loose with the the kind of based on true events and the the most a pernicious one probably the previous movie although we'll get into this one where they really didn't have anything to do with the Enfield haunting at all they essentially spent about half a day for a photo shoot and then we're watching the movie and they're singing Elvis and like they're there for a month and I'm like I don't know how that happened like they, they literally had nothing to do with that haunting at all yet they built a whole movie around it and I think the thing that always comes back on these is they have plenty of case files there's plenty of things that you could talk about. Like this is one such example where you know it's a very interesting story, uh, as a very historical interesting story that I don't understand why, like the Enfield haunting in a different country, uh, which wasn't really related to them as something they kind of doubled down on. So I mean, it, yeah, it's that sort of thing where I'm like, especially when they play the footage at the end of the movies. Yeah, to try and ground it back into real life. This is what it really sounded like when ostensibly even in the third movie, 90% of what you've seen didn't actually happen, like at all. Like the, the trial, yes, the trial happened, but all the all the satanic shit that happens in the background and the like, none of that happens. That is that is right off the pages of someone sitting in a writing office going, hmm. And then you get quotes from the writer's room saying, you know, we, we wrote it like how we believe Ed and Lorraine would act or how they would have approached these things. I don't know if I could be so bold as to yeah. 
to say a 70 year old man would be you know like uh, like wrestling a you know like a sledgehammer possessed it's, it's those sort of things it makes a great story and as a horror movie it makes it very entertaining and interesting but to me the 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 central core of this movie the thing that i found most interesting is the essential the wraparound is the is the actual procedural stuff the court stuff mm-hmm. where like if you watch a movie like the exorcism of emily rose you're getting mostly court stuff Heavy. with flashbacks in there and that's really cool how they, they handle that this is a landmark case in the usa this is the first time in the usa someone used the defense of demonic possession um to me that's really interesting but ed and lorraine didn't really have much to do with that and it's not very sexy to put as a you know, as a Conjuring movie. So we add a ton of stuff in the background, which is essentially what you get for the runtime of the movie, which is a lot, a lot of nonsense, but it's entertaining nonsense. So it's kind of like part of me either wants the all the fluff and nonsense yep. or the procedural stuff, and it's the mashing of the two together that feels like weird, like tonally weird, if you know what I mean. It's a very serious, very serious movie, and there's a scene where they're they're sitting with the lawyer going, you know, you have to go in there and see demonic possession. She's like, well, I don't believe in that. And they're like, well, if you come to our house one night and the next scene you see her, she's sitting coldly, which gets a chuckle. I'm like, yeah. this guy's murdered his landlord. And here we're here having a laugh about it. You know, like, ha, ha, ha. It's, it's so strange. And um, uh, I like that part because they're like, you come over to our house, yeah. have dinner, we'll show you Annabelle. And you know the audience who's like, something about the conjuring three and i hear everything you're saying about like the mishmash of the the real and the fiction you got to play it up this is a big hollywood 100 percent. yeah 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 and and if you if you watch this the story it does say based on a true story so all of this is real i'm dumb so to me this is all real now and i'm just going to march forward with uh my ignorance but (laughs) when it when it comes to the the mishmash and stuff like that audiences who have been watching this and i guess like like me you get to the third film and if you've enjoyed the first two, and if you enjoy Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Farmiga, who's yeah. phenomenal in this movie, the delicious. So, Vera if Farmiga. you enjoy them as Ed yes. and Lorraine Warren, <laughs> then I think that there's you kind of already have the story or the movie rather already already has a leg up for the yeah. for the, the the audience. I could imagine seeing particularly like the scene you you brought up in theaters and the whole crowd just starts laughing. Yeah, because oh, it's yeah, like, I, did. I, I did in the cinema when I, when it came out. I like I, I visibly remember like 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 chuckling at that scene because it's very funny. It's timed perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but these I mean, these movies, the Conjuring movies are a vehicle for Ed and Lorraine Warren stories. That's essentially what James Wan's kind of tapped into. And essentially they are superhero movies. I mean, Ed and Lorraine are like Christ soldiers, they are superheroes. Like, like one of them can perform exorcisms and another one can communicate with the dead. I mean, those are, in religious terms, superpowers. So that's what makes them, I mean, this is the highest grossing franchise of any horror, like, outlet ever. Like, the Conjure movies, the three Conjure movies have outgrossed any other franchise. That's full franchises. That's how popular they are. So you're going, like you say, Travis, you're going to see... Ed and Lorraine Warren take on their next villain, very similar to you would be going to see Spider-Man take on his next villain or Captain America take on his next villain. Those are the way these movies are kind of set up. So if you've done a bit of reading, then you get all those kind of issues. But if you're your average person that wants to go, and even if you're a horror fan that just wants to go and see 
spooky things, creepy things, satanic things, like all that stuff. The movie's got it in spades. Like so much so, I would argue to an extent, although I'd probably get shot here, of the three, this is my favorite one because this is the one that like fully commits to like trying to blur the lines and just goes out and out nonsense. Like this is the one that just like that 90% of this is bullshit as opposed to the other ones where like the Enfield horror happened, like maybe not with ghosts and shit like that, but it's well documented that all that shit happened. And in the first movie, I know nothing about that case, but I'm assuming that happened. So, so Duncan, let me ask you a question if I could. Yes. Um, so Obviously, like when they do embellish on a on a story to make it more Hollywoodized or whatever, it's to add interest. But if since you are familiar with the Warrens and their work, would you prefer it if they stuck like 100 percent to um, what supposedly happened, even if it weren't quite as flashy? Would you prefer that? I, I think the thing is, I don't know if that makes that doesn't make a, a like a a movie that grosses 200 plus million at the box mm-hmm. office. That's the problem. Like Ed and Lorraine Warren, whether you like them or loathe them, and there's a whole sea of people out there that really just think they were frauds and charlatans. Um, they had the best publicists. Uh, the controversy that come out of the back of this book, specifically that is based on, you have one side, you have the original family um, who, you know, whose kid was uh, quote unquote possessed, who have come out and basically said since, none of this happened like like none of this happened the way it was portrayed in the book but then you have the guy who was essentially taken to court and all the rest who's 100% the, what the warden said was true so you have this kind of blood dividing line between the two i think ultimately they had a great like they're great publicists and a great way of putting forward their stories you name one person who like if i ask Cole what he did today he's going to tell me what he did today but <laughs> if it if it was a bit you know if it was a bit basic in parts you're gonna embellish things you kind of have to because you're you're gonna entertain with a story that's so what the these movies get in, do. Uh, the way of a good story a hundred percent a hundred percent these movies though I think and it's not even an issue I don't like I'm, I'm may, maybe making more of an issue than it actually is but um, the soapbox is out and I'm standing on it it's it's <laughs> I think it's when specifically the use of kind of recorded footage at the end to legitimize what you've seen before that gets me kind of i mean there's it plays carte blanche with a lot of things like specifically kind of preempting the satanic panic and here with the use of well it's a well they have the scene where they they go to the other police department they're like oh yeah we thought it was a satanic cult and all the rest and then the movie all but says well yes it it's a, like a satanic worshipper who's using demonic possession to murder because all these satanists are evil. And I'm like, could the guy just not have been like having a bad day and stabbed someone? Like people are like people are already complicated. Um, without adding, I, to me, the more interesting story is a guy who genuinely believed he was possessed that murder someone, and there's maybe no evidence there. But in this movie. There's loads of evidence and loads of witnesses. Like this guy levitates in a mental asylum while staff are watching him. And I'm like, surely they're in the court at the end going, yes, your honor. He fucking flew off the ground and windows exploded like he'd taken the head off someone in Highlander. Like it's, you know know what I mean? It's so over the top. 
at the end that I'm like, yeah, like if I'm on the jury and I hear these people being you know, rolled in one after, yep, this happened, and then look at the building, it's missing half a wall and all the rest, I'd be like, innocent, innocent, the devil is real. You know what I mean? You got, so, you got fucking witch totems at every crime scene. I mean, or at least the house of the people that are, yeah. you know, a, a victims of these similar killings. Yeah, this, this, which is a cool detail. I love that detail. Like as a separate story, I fucking love that detail about like a practicing Satanist who's just randomly picking places to put these things just to fuck with people, just like just just nihilistically fucking with people and some sort of Faustian deal with a demon for ultimate control. Totally down to clown on that. That's, that's yeah. sick. So I got yeah. three things. Uh, number one. Uh, Henry Cavill is going to be the next Highlander. Uh, I've heard this. Um, number two, <laughs> when I watch movies like this here, and Tibu and I have had this similar conversation with um, what's the uh, uh, Aja movie, Alexander Aja. Oh, High Tension. High Tension. Yeah. With the way you look at it from the book perspective and the way I look at it. So someone like me that doesn't give two shits about true crime or follow any of it, that stuff I just don't care about, and I don't. Mm. It, it's it's over my head. Um, and number three, when I was in the rabbit hole of doing research for all of these movies, the one thing that I found probably the most interesting was how many different versions of each of the movie there was. That James Wan in the because essentially it merged. This is James Wan's whole like little you know baby that he's kind of you know, raised kind of thing. And the, the we've taught you, this is in so many other movies, you can talk about this too, but you know, it's the whole dichotomy of, do you want backing and, and a lot of money to get thrown at this? Or do you want to have your mm -hmm. own story uh, to tell it the way you do? So it, it'd be interesting to see if he was able to just, you know, make the conjuring, the conjuring two and the conjuring three, the way he wanted it versus having to do certain cuts and basically what you talked about was put it in a position where it will be universally accepted and watched in a large scale because let's he's just excellent at that the thing yeah. is he's yeah. like he really is excellent at that there are a few directors in our genre walking around just now that are as bankable at the box office as james wan and there is a reason behind that the guy crafts Things. And right, he isn't he isn't directing this one, um, but he is essentially he's overseeing this in a very similar way. And I keep coming back to comic book references, and I don't know why because I'm terrible at all that Marvel stuff. But you've got the you've got the was it the Russo brothers that essentially oversaw a shitload of those productions. And whilst they're not necessarily directing them, they're almost handpicked and picking the directors. They're heavily involved with the production and the script. Things need to thematically tie into this and that. James Wan's all over that, and he's very, very, very good at that. And you almost get the... I mean, without... I think we can... safe to say, without this movie, you don't get Malignant, which is the studio rewarding him, essentially, yeah. with his own original property because of how fucking successful this movie is. And it was the, huge. The, I would say this franchise and also Aquaman probably afforded him that as well. Oh, yeah, and Fast and Furious. I mean, the guy's yeah. like, the guy's he, like... He did Aquaman to pay for, you know, his horror gen. He he he, he yeah. went and did that, made a whole bunch of money so he could go and, you know, 
mm-hmm. the middle finger and go back to what he loves. Yeah. He gave I mean, us Gabriel, which if Gabriel would have been in, in this movie levitating all over the fucking asylum, <laughs> I'd, have been, I'd have been even yeah. more thrilled. You make another god dang malignant comment here. I am going to hop in my truck, drive down and <laughs> near Labia. Dude, that, that movie fucking owns. I don't give a shit. He, he, Dude, he, I love that as well. I love, I love, I love his laugh. He gave all the in, biggest I'm all in with that. to Hollywood and every. They market that sh- anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hold Back on, to the hold on. No, I'll, I'll give you guys your moment to give each other some double risk <laughs> and some tummy sticks here. So I, I just, I just think it's, it's a brilliant move he made. He, he tricked everyone into going and see what they thought was going to be his next conjuring type movie. And he made the biggest budgeted B horror movie of all time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's excellent. He pulled a Todd Phillips on everybody. He, he, he made, he made maybe he made a, he, for all intents and purposes, he made that. And you're, if you're a, if you're a listener to my show, this is uh, this is bingo time. You have to do a shot. He made essentially a very very convoluted B movie Jallo, um, <laughs> and that's it. Like all the tropes of a Jallo are in that movie, but he does them in a different way that I've never seen done before. So instead of being a witness, like the the Jallo trope is, you're you are an innocent bystander. You witness a murder, and the entire movie is you trying to piece together the clues and facts to help you solve who the murderer was and get to the end. Instead of doing it, like you witness a murder, like she is witnessing it through her dreams. And then with the reveal later on, like being the way it is, it is like, it's like scanner's head explosion. I was just like, this is fucking insane. And um, yeah, he's, he's a great director. He's a, he's a great director, but this is how many, how many, when was the last time you watched a horror movie? When was the last time you watched that movie that has spawned off so many intellectual properties like a Jason and Greenlit so many projects because of a clip with a, with a thing, with an element from a movie. I, I will it's say, I think nuts. your, your uh, uh, comparison of this to a superhero franchise is, 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 is spot on because it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you got the nun, the Annabelle, it's it's all kind of in that they've created yep. a little universe. So yeah, Lorona, and you've got the what's the one from, what's the one from the previous movie? The the, the thing in the, the Valak. Uh, oh, sorry. You know the one I'm on about. It's the and the music box from part two. Oh, that's the, gonna oh, be yeah. the crooked the, old uh, man or the crooked. Yes. Man. Oh, the yeah. Crooked so that's man. that is that's also that's also getting its own movie. So mm-hmm. like. There you go. I like, and they'll all make money. They'll all do really, really, oh, yeah. really well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you might yeah. be in a theater full of a bunch of teenagers, but last couple trivia things I have here. Uh, oh yeah, you're still in trivia. You just tell me to shut the fuck up, Cole. No, <laughs> I, 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 talk and talk and talk. I don't want to kick you off that soapbox. So, <laughs> um, this has the exact same runtime as Conjuring One, but yeah, I think you already. De- you already talked about that. This was the first known court case in the U.S. where the defense sought to prove innocence based off the defendant's case of demonic possession. So mm-hmm. um, do your own research on that. I did a little bit on there. I have my own kind of opinions. It's I'm, I'm glad I saw the movie first before I looked into the case because it's, yeah, it's, it's Swiss. One, one of the <laughs> flattest, flattest line deliveries is I think I hurt someone. That was just a line delivery that kind of, for a second, I was like, you couldn't have done a second take on that one. I yeah. think that fit, though, when he was getting pulled out of his, like, little session trance thing, but. I wanted a little bit more amp, like, you oh, what fuck. I want, Tibu, I want you to have a seat real quick here, and I want to ask Jay of the Dead, tell me about the first time you saw this movie. 
Oh, okay. Well, it was just it was just a year ago, last summer. I watched it on HBO Max because they did that really cool thing where they were showing some films on HBO Max, and it was also released in the theater. But I'm like, hey, I'm gonna usually I support the theater just for the record, you guys. But I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out tonight. And honestly, I don't. I'm a little bit like Duncan, where I don't love the conjuring franchise but i appreciate it and everything i'm just not like supernatural horror guy as much and demonic possession doesn't really do it for me as much um but when i first saw this it was appealing to me on some level because i do like how they they took the angle of almost like a police procedural investigation it feels a little bit like an x-files type film I mean, right, but mm-hmm. but better than the X Files movie. Yeah, yeah, like a lot better. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, and and my favorite aspect actually is uh, the the fact that we get to see a little more of Lorraine's gifts in action, mm-hmm. and especially where she assists with an investigation. And I know, like, we're re- we're reviewing the movie they made, not the movie we wanted. But I'm just saying that made me start thinking. Wow, it would be incredible to see these characters um, helping like with these gruesome murder investigations and stuff. That would be so cool to see her abilities um, yeah. tapping into that. Cause that was my favorite aspect of this film. I, I thought that exact same thing when she's sitting at the, at the police station and mm-hmm. that was going to go one of two ways that scene where he puts the knives in front of her and adds got his wife's back and he's like no we're not going to make a circus and then she just was like this one here and he's like oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool and, and and yeah and the line in the back seat when he's talking about um why ed came along and and um that that was amazing and i won't i won't spoil it i don't know if we're talking spoilers or not but um at this point yep we're talking spoilers okay yep. i just i just want to make sure yeah so when he when he says that uh did you come because you're afraid that uh we wouldn't find anything or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm afraid that she will see. <laughs> we'll yeah. see though. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. He, he never doubts her at all. That's to, to kind of piggyback. First time I saw it, same exact way. HBO Max last year. This is my second watch for this um, conversation. Mm-hmm. And what I, I, I do, I do like the conjuring. This was my pick for the, uh, our little franchise. We were going to cover this this year. And I, 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 I love I love the conjuring, but like, it's not, it's not something that I have a super ton of love for, but kind of like how you said, I appreciate it mm-hmm. and, and kind of, and kind of love it at the same time. This, this movie just continues the Ed and Lorraine, like their story. Of course, I, I like their performances. If they made three or four more conjurings with those actors performing in these roles, I, I, I show up every time just, mm-hmm. just, just, just for their chemistry. And in this movie, it shines through, a lot like it did in the second one. I think the second one's got it got it going on too with the the substance. There's some substance yeah. in the characters. And also this movie has fucking witches and black magic and and ritualistic shit going on and <laughs> fucking Patrick Wilson just destroying a goddamn witch's altar with a sledgehammer like a mm-hmm. fucking like like a Thor's hammer. All that shit just gets my horror boner going. I mean that that's 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 all there is to it when it comes to that. And that's- the commit, that's what I love shit. about it. Yeah. Commits to it. Like if you're gonna go, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna put Satan in it and you're gonna put possession in it and all the rest, that that's a that's a well-trodden area of horror. 
And there are so many movies that are just trying to be the exorcist, which is the, the fear of watching this movie. It's kind of it's kind of my issue with the first movie is the end of the movie ultimately becomes the exorcist. And I've seen that done. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. all the shit, all the haunted house shit was fucking great. And we ended up with the exorcist. This um, movie starts out with a shot from the exorcist. Yeah, well, this is it. This is what I mean. Like, so like, you watch the opening scene of this movie. And I remember being in the cinema and I like audibly groaned. I was like, oh, here we fucking again. <laughs> right. Oh, because right. yeah. you've seen it done before. And that's where the movie has a level. This is why I kind of, this is why it's my favorite one of, of the lot. Is it, it almost like it gets it out of its system right at the start. It's like, right, we're getting that out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's it being put to all the stuff that you're, you're going to expect from a, like a Conjuring movie with a possession of that. That's put to the side now. Now we're going to commit to this. And if we're going to commit to this, we're going to do it in the most lavish Hollywood kind of rendition that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And from that point onwards, you're off to the races. You've got spectral visions. Like you see, you've got witchcraft, demonic possession. You've got a, a police procedural, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. You've There's got a lot going on. <laughs> Shitloads. But at yeah. no point when I was watching it, did I ever feel like when a corpse is reanimated? I'm like, oh, that's one step too far. It, it surprisingly manages to balance all that stuff out well enough. And I think mm-hmm. it's because of its pacing. Like at no point are you getting like two scenes that are like almost dueling for levels of uh, kind of almost ridiculousness together. It spaces all that out. So the beats of this movie... It's, it's not a movie that ever takes its foot off the pedal, although there is plenty of downtime where people are sitting in a police station or chatting in a car or in a hospital making sure that Ed's okay. There's lots of downtime, but you never feel it. The pacing of the movie is surprisingly quick for a movie that clocks in just under two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's the James Wan dust. Like Wan, for whatever reason, ways movies, um, if you look at them, all of them, like you, you're never looking at your watch. Even if you're not enjoying it, you're never looking at your watch. The the mm-hmm. pacing on them seems to, to to work at a very, very, very smart and articulate way towards the audience themselves and that you're never bored. And you can't get bored watching them because there's always, whenever you like, might be getting to a point where you're like, right, where's, where's the when's the next scare coming in? It's already hit. It's already hit. You've had it. And then it's building towards the, the, the kind of next one. So I James, love that. James Wan is kind of he, like, again, going with the superhero thing. He is kind of like, and I think Jordan Peele's on this level too at this point where his name alone is going to put asses in the seats yeah. and the film's going to just guaranteed at least make some money on the first week to whatever. James Wan is that guy. He's, he's achieved this, this, this fine line of, I'm going to give you an entertaining horror movie mm-hmm. with memorable shit in it, but it's also going to appeal to so many people that it's, it's, it's just going to drive it there. I think, I think he's really good at that, man. And it's just, it, yep, go for it, Jake. Sorry. And I was just going to chime in with something that you, you said, uh, Duncan, that, um, like in the beginning, when you were talking about how you almost groaned at the way this mm. film begins, like The Exorcist, that's one thing. See, I actually believe in the possibility of demonic possession mm. in my personal belief. So it's like, that's like a, a real thing to me. However, in movies, I just, I find it so, um, tiresome because the reason I think it's problematic is because I think it's harder to depict an internal horror. And that's really what we're talking about with possession films is internal horror. And the way they depict it is always the same kinds of things, (laughs) Um, you know, with the, you know, the scary voice and, you know, but, but one thing that I thought about during this viewing of this film is um, um, some 
in some people's beliefs, uh, demons uh, do not have bodies. They don't. They don't have a body to dwell in. They're just a spirit. And um, one thing that occurred to me while watching this is because like they're always jacking up the body that they're in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess that would make sense um, because if they weren't familiar with how to operate a body, maybe they would be really stupid at the way they drive the body and i'm like yeah because like little babies do weird stuff all the time so i'm like maybe maybe that's why but a bunch of baby demons (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. i know that was a weird direction to go with that but i'm just saying um i like it i I do feel like it is tiresome so yeah i'm with you duncan as soon as they got that out of the way i I was grateful it's it's a hard like i think the thing is there are certain genres in horror where really early on kind of tentpole movies were released that are like you any movie released after the fact is inevitably going to be compared back to and the the danger is that you you do like a variation on a theme so essentially with exorcisms it's always like well they can't just do the crab walk in the case of this one the character has to physically bend underneath which is all practical that's like an actual contortionist that does that effect so that's not cgi which in itself is fucking incredible um this kid folds up like an accordion and it's is is really 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 cool to see and you've got like so like on that but it's all it's all like you see it's the it's the almost the cynical hollywood tick box of possess right do we have the demonic voice check is the character levitated check has it said that your mother sucks cocks in hell check right. you know what i mean it's like you, you're working your way down the line like that you know is there vomit like once you like and it has like it, it kind of leans back to that that there's almost a like the a refreshing level of everything else you see beyond this point you have seen in other movies mm-hmm. but for whatever reason you're not like going oh well now they're doing this but which is the same as that it's because the possession bit is so it's so the exorcist right it really really is once you mm-hmm. get past that the movie almost feels like the it feels like there's a weight off its shoulders to really just be fun. And that's the thing that kept coming back to me is there are so many like goofy elements to this movie that just like, like the po- the police show up. Uh, right, then like my brain hurts. Like the police show up, like <laughs> right, there's a woman like in a in a basement underneath the building where she slaughtered her dad um, in that building, right? So dead body in that building, women like crumpled up like a pretzel underneath the ground in there. And the police show up and Ed and Lorraine Warden just walk. They just walk from that. The little two survivors. So how would you explain this? Well, this is what happened out there, but just stick with me. Uh, The daughter sliced the dad's throat. Then she tried to possess my husband and he managed to fight back against it. And then using like our power, we managed to stop it and then she folded up because a demon broke her in half. There's a guy, like, <laughs> there's a guy in, in court just now saying the devil made me do it and he does 10 years in Lorraine Warren. Walk. It's that sort of stuff where I'm like, and that's what I love about it. You know what I mean? That's what I love yeah. about it. Well, that's the, that, but that's the, that's, the, that's the difficulty of putting those two yeah. things side by side. Is the scene right after that is a courtroom scene where a guy's getting convicted for 10 years because he said a demon made him do it. And yep. five seconds before we've seen two characters walk away from two murders, which are related to demon stuff when nothing happened. I love talking about this after watching certain movies because, yeah. you know, they all end at that point. And then it's like you talk with your buddies and they're like, how is he going to talk his way out of this? And then yeah. it goes mm-hmm. from, you know, them leaving with explosions and dead bodies in the background 
to sitting on the beach drinking a beer. You're like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, I mean, like, what, what happened in between? Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> it's like the, the, the script writers wrote yada, 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 beach scene. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. Pina colada. get there? Hey, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter, but the what pina colada. Let's get a close up on <laughs> that. Is, well. is that really give them that beach experience. It's the cinematic equivalent of the, of the movie just putting its finger up to your mouth and going, shh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't think don't think about it. There's James Wan just doing this here. <laughs> the thing, I think like the, the other thing about it, I think, <laughs> I think I think both Travis and Jay have touched on it. Um is the, the thing that I think really makes the film once again one of my favorites is that actually this is the one where like the previous movie they're singing Elvis songs and they're you know they're very touchy-feely and all the rest. You didn't get that in the original conjuring movie. By this, we're getting the backstory. We're getting how they've met. And there's a nice little kind of bookend to that at the end of the movie. Um, so you're getting more, weirdly, you're getting more origin in this story as it goes along, which I, I kind of like because it's done in a way which strengthens the relationship instead of doing the obvious easy thing that they could do, which is like a like a like a flashback to the first time she realized she had her power or anything like that. He doesn't do that, nor does he need to do it. What we get instead is more about the strengthening of their relationship, which plays into the end of the movie. It's ultimately it's that love that you know manages to break past whatever whatever evil is out there. Which, to me, once again, is kind of cheesy and twee as it is. I appreciate that because at this point, three movies in, you're not going to go and see this Conjuring movie if you aren't like a little bit invested in the characters. Plus, you have two phenomenal actors on stage there. So from that point of view, like you might as well do about that. And their chops are phenomenal. I'd like, I believe them as characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. I can't, I've lost count of how many times I've watched a movie the last like five years where the two central characters are not believable at all. Like everything right. they do is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like the way they talk doesn't feel organic. Their love scenes feel awkward. Like, th- like this, this feels like a well lived in couple. And I think the fact that they've had as many on-screen sort of presentations through the Annabelle movies or into this as well, I think that's what carries that through. And there's a consistency as well between that, which shows care and consideration. The actors are invested in the roles they're doing, and that shows in the screen. I want to circle back just a minute before I I lose my train of thought to kind of touch on what Duncan and Jay had had talked about. So when, when we talk about the genre in general and the subgenre that we're talking about with the demonic possession and everything, I've said this a thousand times, the, the possession type movies are not my favorite at all. Mm. And it's funny because we have uh, Mark Nato on all the, uh, every once in a while to do a special segment. And, you know, it's, it's supposed, it's called a shot in the dark. So it's supposed to be one shitty movie, one bad movie. Every single time he's on, what type of movie is it, Tibu? It's oh, a you possession. Get, you get them possession films, could it's his favorite. And I'm like, <laughs> but I've also said that the scariest movies to me are the possession ones, and it's because there is that element of the real life. This shit can happen. I'm I'm kind of on Jay's side a little bit, where I'm like, if you you can easily convince me that people have been possessed and some weird shits happen. I told a story on a recent podcast about my uncle's old haunted house kind of thing. Mm. So it's, it's very interesting. And I think that the reason you really don't need to change the formula that much because it works. It's, it's just one of those things that 
you know, may, I don't know. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to step out on a ledge here and go ahead and say that I think that the reason these do so well is because they're built for, let's talk about the fact that when we go to watch these in the theater, a lot of them are going to be probably like 29 to 15. That's going to mm-hmm. be the range where you're going to make a lot of money. Yep. You, you can call it, you know, the, 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 the susceptible type people that really get into it, but done properly. These movies are, are terrifying. The one problem I have is, and I'm going to show my cards a little bit here is I'm going to come in probably a lot lower than you three. And I just think this one wasn't nearly as effective as the previous two, as far as it doesn't have nearly as many jump scares. Like at all. Like actually, if you, if you sit and you try and clock where the the jump scares are in this movie, you're lucky if you get Mm -hmm. to five. Yeah. Um, which is surprising. That's the big change in the formula here, as the previous movies are almost predicated. One has a really weird sense of timing, especially in The Conjuring. I think that's The Conjuring, when I saw it in the cinema, genuinely got me a few times. And the reason behind it is the beat is always like half a second after mm-hmm. the beat that you expect. So, like, you're like, the music hits and then the music goes out and you're like, jump scare, no jump, right? And then it hits you. And that's, that's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an awkward timing that I love about it, by the time you come to this, he, there isn't really any of that. There's there's one, Duncan. Yeah. There's one where he's looking in the hole in the wall yes. and, and he's getting his eyeball <laughs> up in there and you think for sure, oh, dude, why do you Here stick your eyeball yeah. up to that hole? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then right after, right after the moment. demon dick come through there. No, that's exactly. right, clearly <laughs> never, it's never experienced glory hole etiquette. Yeah, yeah. just shove your eye up there. Never do that. Yeah. Um, so, well, it just depends on what side of the hole you're on. This is also true. This is also true. Always know what side of the hole you're on. That's that's I mean, the lesson <laughs> from this recording. I don't think yeah. we need. To, I don't think we need to get into glory hole etiquette with our listeners. They know yeah. the news about. <laughs> but I like, wanna... so like the like so the, those jump scares being back like kind of play into like basically what essentially what you're saying called from a scare factor i don't necessarily think this is the scariest movie mm-hmm. at all but like in the previous movie i find the that i'm almost counting the lulls between those jump scares especially in the second one the second one's the one that i'm, I'm like that i'm not fussed on and there's oh. part of that's a bit of bias because i know it's the most famous haunting in the UK. Everyone knows the Enfield haunting, right? There's like documentaries and everything about it. Like Ghost Watch is basically like the, the infamous like Ghost Watch document, well, full documentary is basically a retelling of that. Like we we all grew up with that story. We all know it. So when we see it, in, when we see a Hollywood version of it, it's very difficult not to go, that's ah, never happened. Um, you know, like you feel yourself going that way. And like the scares are done in such a way in that movie where almost when they're happening, I'm like, cool. And then, right, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. I, I've, got a, I've got a whole list here and I'm already, I'm, I'm already trying yep. My, my brain's like, we need to call an audible with the way that I'm going to go about this, but we're going to keep on the same track here because yeah, we're, I, I've got an idea of what we're going to do towards the end here. But as far as with what you're saying, Tibu, what do you have? I know you had some notes down here. I don't want to, I don't want to change gears or anything. Is there anything you wanted to oh, look at his eyes? He's like, wait, what? Dude, I know. I, I just want to make sure that we touch on what you had. I have the whole fucking movie written down. I mean, okay, yeah, no, like when when I I, I did my notes the same way I always do them. I have okay. the whole story, but we're not we don't have time to go through this whole thing. How no, we normally no. would. 
Um, my I, fault. I'll do this. No, 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 no. We, I, I enjoy having a conversation and it, it's, there's no issue with that. I just, the way my notes are is we would have to hit it beat by beat things I want to touch on. I mean, I've already said them. It's just to recap real quick. The biggest thing is Ed and Lorraine and the performances and how much I love those characters. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't show up for conjuring part three without that wicked ass yeah. fucking subtitle. And also my love for uh, their characters. Well, here's, the fact that- here's to, to go on that same note. I want to hear your guys's counter to this because one thing I wanted to touch on and I was going to save it for the end, but we'll, we'll jump into it right now is, is basically the formula of the three. I mean, even though we're, we're reviewing the conjuring Duncan made me do it. We need to talk about the first and second <laughs> one a little bit here. And that's because there is a formula. The first two are very, very, all three of them are heavily influenced by James Wan. This is the only one that he did not direct. So the first two formula, we talked a little bit about that. It's based on those, those jump scares and, and, you know, you got the peaks and valleys, the peaks and valleys. You can say all you want about the valleys, but the lower the valley, the higher the peak, if it done right, can, can, can happen. So Mm -hmm. This one here is a little bit different in the formula because it doesn't rely on the jump scares, but it it relies on the first non, I would say, entity or or ghost or demon as a villain because we have the, uh, I think she's titled the occultist in the movie, but it's also the first movie I noticed and I was writing some notes on the fact that this is the first one that it tries to get you to believe that Ed and Lorraine are in real danger, which they technically, this is the first of the the three films where they are in real danger, but it doesn't work for me because in the back of my head, I'm like, it's Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're, Mm. they're not going to do anything to them. And I think that I, I was disappointed with that because it focused too much on, you know, that final scene with the showdown of the demon, because you knew damn well that nothing was going to happen to Ed and Lorraine. That's why I can't watch. It's why I, but I literally like cannot abide and cannot watch any of the insidious prequels. There's no point in trying to show me that Lynchy is in any danger at all because I know she shows up in Insidious. So like, <laughs> like, like what we, like what we, do, what we doing here? Like it's like, like we're going to set up this elaborate story where she's almost going to die, which well, clearly doesn't. So that diffuses it for me very much like yourself. I know once again, if you've done any sort of reading, like Ed and Lorraine Warren lived to a grand old age past us. So like, like well, and I think Ed passed away in 2006. So yep. you know what I mean? He's like. It, like well beyond this, so they're never really in. They're never really in any danger. The stakes in the movie are less on them. The stakes are actually on the guy. So that, I think that's maybe the difference for me. I think it works better because what they're basically trying to do is stop her from having this guy kill himself. Because if he does that, but then it's based on the case, and we know that he went to trial. So as as this is when you're dealing with anything that's grounded, and this is why my opening gambit was. These things happened in real life. There's a whole lot of shit in this movie that just did not happen. That stuff is super entertaining. But as soon as you start putting that stuff in there, I'm looking at it going, well, like I know he survives because he went to court. I know they survived because they lived well beyond this. So <laughs> See, what, I what, it's, it's difficult. It's very, very, very difficult. But your average person going in cold doesn't know any of that. They don't know when Ed and Lorraine Warren died. They're just their favorite characters in a horror movie. And they don't know anything about the court case either because it was an obscure court case that had a book written about it that sold really well for two years and then didn't go any further. So 
Yeah, I, I guess to me, the, the way that the story went down was I, I kind of, after the initial possession or, well, yeah, possession exorcism mm-hmm. that transferred over, I, I kind of forgot about uh, Arnie and it, you know, it, the story focused so much mm-hmm. on that, the, the priest and you, you know, you get the spoiler alert, the, the, the swerve that, you know, it's his daughter and he knew the whole time, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's where the story focused on too. And, and I just was like, okay, yep. No, I know. Mm-hmm. Ed's not going to do anything with the sledgehammer. And yep. The, the movie wrote to break the fucking witches, you know, her, her little potion table, or I, I was getting Zelda by vibes. <laughs> Yes. The movie the movie really pushed that plot hole away with one with one line when Kastner says, It's my daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get that. I wouldn't ride on my mm-hmm. witch daughter either. I'd let her I'd, I'd let her crawl all over them tunnels. I'd let her crawl all over them tunnels, guys. Do you I know want that in a t-shirt. I would rat on my witch daughter. <laughs> yeah, Do you know I what's cool that. about that though, uh, to me, T Boo, is that um I love from the Judeo Judeo Christian perspective the fact that um, he was a priest and he ended up having this daughter. Right. And that was his uh, quote unquote sin because he mm-hmm. kept it a secret from the church. Well, his unrepented sin ended up yeah. metastasizing <laughs> and became malignant over time oh. and ended up being the death oh. of him. And, and what's cool about that is like, yeah, if you don't if one doesn't repent of one's sins then Juan one can suffer spiritual yeah. death. <laughs> if one doesn't <laughs> repent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm, I'm referring like to everything Juan. that's happening right now is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Specifically. <laughs> the word, the wordplay Jay is amazing. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good, that's a good point though. That's something I actually didn't really, it didn't, that didn't click uh, for me while watching the film, but that's a, that's a good point. Something else you said earlier that I never thought of, and it makes me kind of love evil dead a little bit more now which is almost impossible because I love it the most <laughs> is, the, is the, the fact that the Kandarian demon probably doesn't really understand how to operate a human body that well. Yeah. That's why they're always cricking and cracking and moving all fucked up and grabbing knives by our, the fucking yes. blades and shit. Are demons, this would be a good question for Jay. Are demons not, I, I, aren't they pre- previous human souls or is that not, am I way off on that? Well, no. I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask, but in, in, in my belief system, uh, they were the one third part of God's children that followed Lucifer and were cast out of heaven. So they never came to earth and received a body. So they're so they were spirits. Okay. They were the they were the ones that wanted to party. That's scary yeah. as fuck. Yeah. And it it is cool. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to like do uh, church here on your show, but I'm just saying like <laughs> in, in, in the Bible, I think it's like Mark chapter five. It's really interesting because when when. Jesus casts uh, the legion out of that dude. It's in the caves. Like that's a real horror story, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's like so. Like that needs to be a horror movie. Mel Gibson um, needs to direct it. They leave. <laughs> yes, they leave. They leave. Legion leaves and and goes into the swine because they need a. They want another body to inhabit. They inhabit the pigs and they run into the sea and drown. It's really yeah, yeah. freaking cool. I think I think the Joe Blow Horror Show needs Jay to come and do a serve sermon like once a month. <laughs> We're gonna get that theologian <laughs> aspect of horror oh, films. Yeah, man. All, we'd all benefit from that. And I love how he brought in some pig-headed horror once again. Kyle. <laughs> you know, brother. Always. <laughs> um, that that reminds me too. A couple of things I want to touch on here before we move on with the movie. I, I'm I'm not trying to dog on it just yet you, you'll have to wait for that. <laughs> but there were some things that were done pretty well one thing i thought that i i wrote the note down and i was like motherfucker that that's 
it reminds me of Tibu of, of how we had the borrower and skull of mask as the episode. We, we, we randomly will just be on the same page with certain things, but anyways, I'm like the conjuring three. Uh, I I'm going to break the fourth wall and tell our listeners that this is the first episode we did. And I'm like, it's funny because we have Jane Duncan returning from our summer of the dead episode or our series. And not once, but twice in the morgue scene, we get this big fat zombie <laughs> looking creature. And I'm like 100%. The second I see that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm watching Dawn of the Dead 2004 right now. That, that yeah. scene, for some reason just was like, I was like, I feel like this. Tell me, please, this was copied from Dawn 04 when you get the fat lady in the wheelbarrow and she gets up and starts mm-hmm. running. We didn't only get that once. We got that twice. That's probably my favorite part of the movie. I was like, oh, that's that's mm-hmm. I love it. But there there were some pretty good scenes as far as, you know, they we, we talked about they didn't rely on on the jump scares. They relied on soundtrack. Like, a lot of awesome rock songs throughout this whole fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a bunch of cool ones. Devil and, and, made me do it. Yeah. Well, no, but it even ties in like the song itself uh, from whenever Bruno, the guy that watches over the, 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 the kennel, oh, yeah. he gets killed while that song is playing. And it ties into the story later where the, the corpse starts reciting the lyrics like yeah. that. That shit was that shit was awesome, man. Yes. Yes. And, and a quick note about the Bruno kill. Um, I love that because that's a, an excellent example of um approach aversion like when when he's when he's charging at our at arnie and therefore the camera which is us Mm -hmm. um we we have that sense of uh oh no something's coming to get me and man anytime a horror film does that it it really bothers me always i always feel like i'm i need to get out of the way but i think that might have been the best that might have been the best jump scare of the movie and 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 i agree with duncan that it did this movie did not rely on jump scares which i like because i'm not a big fan i can usually nine out of 10 times see them coming because the you're, you're trained to know, but Mm -hmm. that, that jump scare was pretty cool because all the lights shut off and then out of the darkness, like Jay's saying, this thing that it's just coming to get you. It's Mm -hmm. like, fuck no dude. There's also also a a perspective element to that as well, which I think works really well. Like you, like if you, if you like observe, if you are an observer of one person and another person in an altercation, so a, a bystander, so to speak, mm-hmm. you get to see like the full picture. But if you're one of those combatants on either side, how you read someone else's body language or movements is very telling to how you'll act. And if you misread those or perceive something as being threatening when it's not, you know, your your instinct will be to protect yourself. And that's what's clever. Like, so out with this scene. Um, the the assumption is that he, you know, he, he's drunk, so of course he's going to move kind of sloppily towards him. Um, and he, you know, it, like from his perspective, though, like he's obviously got a warp perspective because of the, the the possession element. But that movement towards him, as the audience, like Jay was saying, the, your instinct is, oh, like you get you get that scare straight away. <laughs> so it's a defensive reflex that kicks in with that as well. So it's like it's, it's such a, a smart thing to do because when you're later, one of the we could have done with more court stuff, but like from a court perspective later on, when they're trying to make that case of even even if they go down the, the road of making the case of, well, you know, he was defending himself, you know, like that level, you could see that element as the audience being as the person seeing someone lunge towards them. 
you 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 kind of almost like feel on some level like you've experienced it as well, which is, is a smart thing to do. I think the reason the jump scares are so minimal in this one is unlike the previous two movies, the the elements that are essentially the horror elements are so many in this that you'd almost be setting up like a jump scare for every single element, which to me like would be too much. So I don't want a jump scare when the corpse runs. I don't want a jump scare when, you know, the witch face appears. I don't want a jump scare when like, you know, when when he's, like she appears in the I don't want all those elements because it's too much. Whereas in the original conjuring, it was more to portray that there was something in the house without actually necessarily seeing what was in the house. And the second movie, it was all the possessed items that were in the house as well. So each of those had their own confines. So there was a certain amount of those. If you expand out in the third movie, you'd be getting like jump scares like every other minute and they wouldn't have the impact they would either because they're coming from, from elements that are one and dones for the most part. Most of the elements mm-hmm. that deliver a scare never really repeat on that, which is once again, something to its credit. Be so easy to do an element and then repeat it and then repeat it and repeat it because the previous movies have worked on that that kind mm-hmm. of formula so by opening it up they actually surprisingly don't need that anymore let me ask so. you three something real quick here do you do you three believe in in the idea of recency bias yes or to, to <laughs> better okay so to better reframe the question when let's say you're prepping for a podcast and it's a movie you haven't seen do you do, do you watch it like a week ahead of time to, to digest it or do you prefer to watch it right before do you want to go first Jay? <laughs> sure yeah i mean typically it ends up i have a terrible memory unfortunately and so i i like to watch the films as close to the recording as possible like i actually just finished uh revisiting this film right before we recorded so i would be really fresh with it but um, absolutely. That's one thing that I'm coming to terms with. And it's it's one of my weaknesses is that, um, yeah, I haven't been revisiting films as much. And yeah, I think that recency bias is a big thing. I think, by the way, I don't want to cause a lot of controversy, but I think a lot of the a lot of the heaping praise on prey is a little bit of recency bias for people. But just just saying anyway, get the get the fuck off this show. I know. I, 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 I literally just watched that today and I was like, damn, this movie's good. Yeah. Yeah. Watson and I have been laughing about that whole situation. But anyways, <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, I agree that one should try to revisit films as much as possible and think about them. But no, I sorry. Short answer. I watch it as close to the show as possible. OK, but you do believe in recency bias. Tebow, what yes. do you got? Um, I'm going to echo jay and say that i try to watch like for the nightclub i try to watch the movie because i gotta i take extensive notes and i try to do with i have a whole structure and a whole thing the way i do my show so i try to take extensive notes I, but i still want to have a freshness a lot of these movies i've probably seen before depending on what the film is when it comes to joe blow i get much more of a surprise because me and cole both pick movies randomly um, when we trade out our new and our old. So I get I get sometimes something extra like, oh, I've never seen this. I never heard of fucking The Borrower before. Got to watch that and that was cool. Uh, as far as recency bias, yeah, that's totally real. That's why Joe Blow fucking waits till fucking February to do our top of the year <laughs> and everyone else is fucking, no, <laughs> I'm about to start fucking just casting, <laughs> throwing shade everywhere. No, um, 
You're lucky but, you're my podcast husband because we're going to have words after this. Well, hold, hold on. <laughs> I, I want to say about that, though, about the end of the year list thing. I don't have a lot of time to revisit movies from the same fucking year. And doing this end of the year stuff can be taxing to a degree. And that's why, like, right now, I haven't seen... I've seen almost 30 films from 2022. Mm. If I told you the amount of nines I have, you'd laugh me out of Valhalla. You, 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 would, you would totally crumb my ass right now. <laughs> like you would be, you'd be just pissed because you, like, there's no way you have that many nines. And Boss Tuna would, he, he'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But I'm also the kind of person that when I watch a movie, if I'm completely entertained and I, and I, I just had the best time with it, I tend to love it a little bit more. I mean, it just, and I can watch bullshit movies and love them just as much as the exorcist, which to me is an overrated fucking classic, whatever. I've always kind of felt that way about that movie. Um, yeah. Long, long, We're long answer doors right now. Long answer short. Uh, yes. Watch it closer to the, uh, the, the review and uh, recency bias is real. All right, Duncan, what do you got? I mean, recency bias is real. I don't think I'm afflicted with it. Um, I, I am. I, uh, <laughs> a big swinging dick out here. Wow. I, I, I'm. He's like I'm impervious to I'm, such things. Like, that's, like I don't. I, I, as as antiquated as it might sound. I legitimately don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks of a movie, like at all, like even even a little bit. Um, and as a result of that, I will consume trailers for movies without it spoiling my experience. Um, I will read reviews for movies, and you know it doesn't even like one of my one of my biggest gripes, and and it's a rod I've created from my own back. But one of my biggest gripes is when someone comes back to me and says you overhyped that movie. I didn't overhype that movie. I told you I really liked that movie. If from that, what you heard was you will really like that movie, then you've misheard what I've said. At no point do I like <laughs> say you will enjoy this movie. That's not what I do. I've never done that. Like, unless unless you are my friend, I've known you for a while, we've been to see movies before, and then something comes up and I've seen, then I might like Bo is a great example of that. I'm forever sending like Bo Ransdell a message saying, just saw this movie. If you've not seen it yet, you're going to like it because I know what his taste is. Um, but at no point do I hype movies. I speak passionately about things that interest me. Now, if someone listening to that is taking that as I am the gospel on, on movies, <laughs> then sorry, like, I, like as everything's an opinion. As a result of that, I approach movies in the case of answering specifically your question about when I watch things. I, I also try and watch them as close as possible. I don't take notes. I never take notes for anything. Um, so, like, I, I believe that conversation is best, like, pretty much off the cuff. So I, I might have one or two points that I want to make. But as you've heard already from talking this, I will monopolize a lot of, like, space just talking about things that are almost train of thought. Like, so something, an idea will come to me and I just want to flesh out that idea, get other people's takes on it. And whether it actually goes somewhere or doesn't, is you know, as as part of the fun of, of of kind of parsing these things out, it's almost trying to connect dots that don't always connect. Um, in a movie review, but I don't like. That's why I, I think it infuriates people. Like when I, I get loads of people say you're going to love this movie, and I don't. I genuinely sometimes I do, <laughs> like sometimes I don't. But at no point am I like well, so-and-so said I need to check out this movie and I'm going to love it, so I'll walk in and check it out. As for the, the, the pre-conversation, 
it's a perfectly fine Predator movie. I mean, I don't know what people are like. That first Predator movie is a perfectly fine movie. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking Shakespeare. I mean, I don't know where, like, <laughs> why that, like, this is all of a sudden, be, like, movies sometimes are pushed up to artificial highs because the sequels aren't as good. Like, so they almost become mythical. How did they manage to do this? Well, they managed to do it because they were the first people to do this. I, Once the Exorcist is creating a template that you then have to try and follow afterwards. And guess what? Like, when someone tries to do the same movie again, just a little less special than it was the first time you saw it. So by the time you get to the fourth installment, fifth installment, or whatever the pre actually was, it was fine for what it was. I think that you've got to remember that articles online, we now have we have unfettered access to people's knee-jerk opinions on things mm-hmm. at all times, right? And like some people, like myself, are very excitable about certain things. Um, but the internet doesn't help that. So it gives undue weight to every comment. Every comment's vetted and treated exactly with the same value and the same weight. And I, I think that's where it, like, like, excuse, I had a ton of, I watched Pre with my family. We watched it on Saturday night. It finished and I was like that. They didn't fuck it up. And that's literally all, that's all I wanted from that movie is don't fuck it up. Give me a predator that hunts someone. Give me some sort of battle scene. Get to the end and stick Here's the Here's the difference. If Prey was it. debuted on Shudder, you wouldn't hear anything. Prey was debuted on Hulu. It was Hulu's number one biggest premiere yeah. something, this or that, ever. Then you're going to hear stuff because people that aren't Predator or horror fans are watching it and they're getting fucking their minds blown. Like, well, you know what, well, bitch? Maybe you should watch some other shit. That's why it's blown out of proportion. <laughs> I got I got three points. Three okay, points. Make your that. points and then I promise I'll explain why I asked this question and I'll bring it back around number one uh the reason and this is i kind i sort of i agree with what duncan's saying but i also kind of disagree with the whole knee-jerk reaction thing and 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 the only reason i got on predator was because all my friends kept talking about how much they liked it Mm. and i was like okay well you know what this movie was on my radar it was going to be watched before the end of the year but i've got to jump on it now because everyone's talking about it i want to be part of the conversation I want to see for myself kind of, you know, what, what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. And I forgot my other two points. Go ahead, Boston. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to stand by what I said with the fact that it was a mainstream release. And a lot of what you're hearing are from people that normally don't talk about movies. That's, that's my opinion. Well, but, that's it. But it's, it's, the, it's sites that post things like, like ambiguous things like, um, this movie's scaring people on Netflix. Some people are saying oh, they have to clickbait. switch off halfway through. It's clickbait. It's clickbait. Like, see, like, <laughs> like there's, there's no, there's no, like, in the, in, in a bygone era, like you, you had a certain amount of publications. Those, those publications all submitted the review. Uh, maybe you watched a Siskel and Ebert. Maybe if you were in the UK, you watched a Barry Norman or whatever it was, and you got, you got someone talking about a movie. And that if you like lined up with our views, maybe took a bit of credence for it, but it was always delivered as this is a critic and they're delivering their point. A site like Rotten Tomatoes differentiates the value of what tomatoes, tomatoes, (laughs) tomatoes, Um, tomatoes, tomatoes. (laughs) Um, But it it differentiates the, the critical score from the oh, audience, audience. Yep. now what that does that adds a, an additional degree of fallacy because what it's basically saying is like on an aggregate on some level 
audience members can't be weighted with the same opinion status as a critic. Whereas if you look at most of those critics, most of the ones written there have went to journalism school, haven't studied film theory or anything like that. So what yeah, makes them different? Them. Yeah, but them. what makes that person's opinion, other than they have a website to post something on, I do like better it than, it... or hold more weight than yours? So like the separation of that plays into the... Anytime any movie gets press online and it forces people to watch it, I'm kind of excited for it. I've said it many times. I'd hate to be a filmmaker who released a film that no one saw and everyone hated, right? Like, as long as there's one person out there that likes that movie, I, you know, I, I feel like a weight comes off my shoulder. And there are times that I, for all I love Art House, I'm like obsessed with Art House movies. Um, I like Trash. Like, one of my favourite movies ever made is Pieces from 1982, which should be shown in <laughs> film school as what how not to make a movie. <laughs> like, it is, it, like every, every step it does, it, it basically makes the wrong move. It's entertaining as hell. And I think when you watch a movie, the thing is, you said your friends were posting about Prey, which forced you to watch it. I, I would put down money that you would enjoy the movie as much as you did on this view and if you watched it at the end of the year, because you're you. Um, yeah. It's the difference is you want to be part of that conversation. And that's, yeah. the, that's the benefit of the internet. The internet allows you to have that conversation with people like we're doing just now, all different parts of the world, sitting down, yeah. discussing it. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. And if the byproduct is that things are hyped or there's a bias towards, well, the internet says I should like it, or, you know, it, it scores 90% on IMDb. If that's, the, if that's the negative side of that scale, then I can live with that. As long yeah. as you're happy. I think that's the end of the, like, this is what I'm saying. I don't give a fuck about what, that sounds pretty cold, but I'm Scottish, so everything comes out a bit blunt. <laughs> it's not that I just don't, like, value other people's opinions. I, I appreciate when someone explains how they are passionate about a movie or why they dislike a movie, but it has no weight. Unless someone get, comes up with a, a an analysis. Yep. Yeah, well, this is the, the Watson thing. This is where, like, jail, like, and you guys will be recording when we'll back up. I find that, like me and Watson agree in a lot of things, but the, the best conversations I've ever had with him are where I come in with an opinion, which is based on the, the factors that social or economic or political from where I've grown up, my experiences that I brought into the movie and he brings his in and they're culturally completely different. And as a result <laughs> of that, we get completely different reads of a movie. And that <laughs> is the exciting part of the conversation. Like I, I'm, I don't, I, I have no faith at all. I, I like, I'm even, I'm, I'm not even agnostic. I, I wouldn't, I, cause that's putting a label on it. I just don't believe in any of that stuff. Um, but what I enjoy listening to is someone like a Jay telling me specifically about, well, like I'd never thought why they always walk kind of jerky when they're possessed. You said that and I'm like that, that's really cool. Next time I watch a movie where someone's possessed and that happens, that thought's in the back of my head. That's the kind of fun thing about doing these sort of things. It's an opinion or a take on something I would never have had. I think there's a there's a swath of people out there that are only interested in. So one of the reasons this movie didn't perform critically as well um, as others is that there was a whole lot of people very very ready to to kick this movie and say it wasn't as good as the previous ones. Mm. Um, and that in itself is subjective. You know what I mean? But it's a subjective thing. It's, it's, a, it's a different movie by... It's a different movie done in a different tone by a different director. James Wan's name's over it, but Michael Chavez is the guy that 
you know, he directed it. So it's it, it's different. Like it's like it's like trying to compare like Jason Takes Manhattan to like oh. Friday the 13th. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like at that point, what what was so much ground has been trodden on that I don't think it's is it a good movie? I think is ultimately and in the context of what you're doing, which is we're looking at the entire franchise and at the end of it, we have to score them. That's a, a good case in point. But if you're going to see The Conjuring 3 and your overriding view going into that movie is, well, it better be as good as Conjuring 1. I don't understand. I don't understand that. Like, ultimately, when I go and see a movie, my overriding feeling is I want it to be a good movie. Like, yeah. I don't care about the previous two movies. I've seen them, been there, done that. If it's better, amazing. If it's not as good, it's not as good, but I, I don't, I think as soon as you start adding all those degrees of baggage to go in and to watch a movie, you're, you're creating hurdles that you have to get over where you're almost trying to either validate your opinion on something or dismiss someone else's opinion based on that. Like I say, this to me is the most entertaining out of the three. And that's kind of why I like it. Cause I think the other two movies, um, which are different in themselves. It's like the first movie and the second movie. We're, we're, we're going to, we'll get into that in just a second here. Right. You, that's what you have to just I'll, tell I'll, me. I'll shut the it, fuck up or I will keep I'll going. I'll bring it all. Hey, I, I'm trying to be respectable of your time, but if we go long, I mean, it's on you, buddy. Duncan, hey, Duncan, was, was, Dun Dun Duncan was on that soapbox, but that soapbox was full of something without an E in it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, that, that that's, it's, okay. A couple quick things now, here. Well, I promise. Real Go quick, Boss Tuna, like now, now's a good time to give everyone the premise of the film. Yeah, oh shit. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's really it. That's really is a Duncan Bush review. We haven't even done that yet. And it's already come back with bottles of, of whiskey without an E from Japan and and uh England. <laughs> okay, no, but for I promise I'll bring it back around and explain why I asked that question here. Uh, but first, you know, it's been so long since we did this, Tibu. I forgot to ask. If you guys haven't looked up, what do you think this got for a uh, a score, like an IMDb, like a user score? Any idea where you think it lands percentage wise? Uh, I wanted to say like that, 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 those questions that we normally do on Joe Blow backing up um, or, or coming off of what Duncan was saying, I tend to go with the audience. Like normally if the audience really liked it, I'm like, it's probably, it's probably worth watching. IMDb for this movie, 5.7 to, to a 6.1 somewhere in there. I would guess 5.4. I would say 6. 6.3. Okay. Surprisingly. Yeah. Wow. And critic score? On Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, they probably hated it. Uh, 43%. <laughs> yeah. You guys are. higher. I'm going to go. I'm going to go high 50s. I'd say 57, 58, maybe. 55. 55. I was going to say 52. That was, okay. Okay. So the reason I asked this whole thing is. Oh my God. 30 minutes ago when I asked this question, I had <laughs> out of my mind. But <laughs> no, but seriously, the reason I asked is because when when I would go into doing this, I was in that same boat where I was like, you know what, recency bias, I need to do this and that. I don't want to watch no no trailers. I don't want spoilers. I want to go in and I'd watch a movie and digest it. And I've come around to the fact that. I'm, I'm on probably more of Duncan's side where I don't really believe in recency bias. If you like a movie, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And this is a good example because the way that I tackled this was, again, breaking that fourth wall. 
I'd like to do these all in order, but it's tough as Duncan would know. And, and probably Jay too, with your new show scheduling mm. with multiple people, you can't do it in order. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch all three back to back. I started last night and I finished the third one at about 2 PM today. And if recency bias was a thing, I'd probably like this a lot more than I did. The reason I asked you that was, is to see kind of where you guys are at, because I know there is that whole thing where people that have a lot more time than me will go back and they'll watch movies and you know, they'll, they'll appreciate certain things or they'll catch certain things as well, but I've never really been in that boat. Um, so I wanted to be on front street with you guys and let you know that I did watch this. It was a first time watch today. I started at about 1 PM and it's, you know, just under two hours or whatever. And, um, I, I, I wish I would have known what my initial whole question point was, but Hey, at least you guys know how I do. You were saying recency bias is bullshit is basically what you're saying. Well, but, but I was curious on how you guys do things because I mean, that's been a topic of contention with us when we do our end of the year shows of waiting so long. So you can kind of digest certain, certain films and whatnot as well. There, there's a few that I do try to go back and rewatch and I put ask, I take notes. I have letterbox that's private. No one can see what my list is and I build it up throughout the year and I have notes on my phone. So I have two lists. They're the same list, but I put asterisks in my phone next to the rewatches. Like, I really need to rewatch this later because I loved it too much now for this to really, in my in my opinion, because of, of a recency bias thing, I'm like, I'm not, maybe I'm not going to like this as much or I'll like it even more once I, like how you said, you get to absorb a little bit more nuance. Cole and I have always had this thing about rewatch versus first time watch mm -hmm. and i i value the rewatch and i think that a lot more can be gained first time yeah i know yeah he he says first time watch is the biggest impact it's like the first time you meet somebody like you'll know if someone's mm -hmm. like a scumbag or not or if they're cocky and you don't like them right away but and I'm i say the first impression type guy i say mm -hmm. dig deeper and you'll find the, the truth yeah, I mean, that's probably why I'm disliking you more and more over time. That's right. <laughs> and you no, can't get rid of me. <laughs> to, to carry on with what I was saying is, you know, on Front Street, watching these, all three of these in, in a matter of, of you know, a day, a day and a half or whatever, a day. Yeah. yeah. I I can't help but when I watch when I watch something, I, I, I have an idea of where I'm at, but I can't help but rate this against the other ones because you know on front street is our listener but that's but you, that's what you're doing on this though you know what i mean yeah. like overall yeah. that's what that's what you're like doing like i think there's another thing you have to take into account we are spoiled as movie watchers now in a, a bygone era when like if you were talking early 90s if you were doing a list of movies like a your, your top 10 movies of the year you maybe saw them at the cinema once or twice it was probably in close succession. And then you never saw them again that year because they weren't out for rental until the following year. And you would make that list. We are now afforded an opportunity where we can almost carte blanche, like check out a movie three months later to see if our opinions change, six months after that to see if you, your opinions changed again. I think there are certain movies that I will never go back and watch that I loved that first viewing of. And it's not because I fear my opinion has changed it's the experience i had on some level added to my score and like those revisits can come years later the the one that was springing to mind when i was saying that to begin with was um two movies in particular where the experience in the cinema was so like 
so impactuous to me that I spent a long time avoiding the second view. And the first one's Wreck. I saw Wreck in a small art house cinema in Edinburgh when it was released um, in the UK and a room full of people at a horror festival who did not know what they were getting into. And I didn't know what I was getting oh, into. And as soon as that body splat, <laughs> I instantly was like, oh, right, I, 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 fucking, I don't know what's happening now. And then I sat white knuckled to the end of that movie, like literally not knowing what the next thing was going to be. And that was one experience. And my thought was, if I ever revisit this movie, I know what happens in it now is not going to have that impact. I revisited it three, four years later, and it still had that impact. And it continues to have that impact because actually that movie is like a roller coaster that even when you know when the loops and the turns are coming, the enjoyment and thrill factor is still there for me. The second one's irreversible. Gaspar Noe's Irreversible, I also saw it in Art House Cinema, mm. and it made me feel physically ill the first time I watched it. But I got to the end of it and I had a very strong view of what the themes of the movie were, what the technique was, what he was aiming for. And I kind of felt to myself, I don't want, I felt so unpleasant coming out of that cinema. I, I loved it, but I, it felt so unpleasant. I didn't physically want to feel that way again. So I didn't revisit that movie. Scored very high with me. I have revisited several times since and, it, you know, continues to score high. But there is a thing about, and it is a real thing, that, you know, you've read something somewhere or you've had a shitty day and you go in, or you're in the cinema with the best audience ever. Festival goggles are a real thing where you go in and you sit down and you see a movie in a festival theater and you're surrounded by people that are all horror fans. Festival goggles are with your buddies or your friends. It's the same. It's the same. It's thing. exactly the it same thing. You come out high on life. This is the, like the most fun I've ever had in the cinema with a horror movie. And then you watch it six months later yourself. You don't smile. You don't laugh actually kind of childish it didn't do what you remembered it doing and it has no impact and that vicar that kind of vicarious sort of infectious fever of being swept up with an audience and that's why cinema views are important can add weight to that it, like when you get to an end of year list like conjuring i i thought was a ton of fun in the cinema third one thought was a ton of fun in the cinema i knew when i walked out there it's never making a top 20 for me like never, never in a, never in a million years. It, was, it wasn't even, it wasn't going to be in spitting distance in my top 20. Hmm. But I had a ton of fun with it in the cinema. When I revisited it for, this was the second time I watched it and I watched it essentially before we started recording in keeping with some of the other hosts on here. Um, and when I watched it through, it got to the end and I was still entertained. It was nowhere near entertained as I was the first time I saw it in the cinema. Like nowhere near it. Um, so almost that kind of, it's never going to make my top 20, save me revisiting it that year, last year, and then kind of weighing things up, or two years ago when it came out, and then weighing things up and going through that again. I knew at the end of that movie, it did what it meant to do. And it was never really, it was never going to go beyond that. And there's tons of, there's tons of hidden things in it. Tons well, just of real, in it. real quick, junk, Duncan, sorry to jump in. Um, one thing I do think that is of value for people who like us who are trying to review movies, especially if you're reviewing something new that's in theaters and somebody wants to listen to your podcast and try to see if they're going to check it out in the theater or not, is since we're only getting an initial experience, I think that's that has some value, too, since that's yeah. also going to be the same way they're experiencing it for the first time. Mm hmm. But yeah, if we're if we're going back and we're revisiting something that's 20 years old or, or a couple years old, we've had time to think about, then 
yeah, we could definitely be more thoughtful about those. And that, that, that bias that you're talking about, Cole, I think that's where that can, like you yourself as an individual are different two years later on than you were two years before. Your viewing experience, a lot, a lot of, some people can legitimately just switch off when they watch a movie. And I can to an extent, but not always. Um, and sometimes I can look for hidden meanings in movies that are never there. That's all possum uh, play with the director in-house. And I had like, I had the best question ever. It was a Q&A and I was like, I got a fucking nailed the end of this movie. Watch this. I'm just, I'm going to call him out in it. I'm going to call him out in it. Um, and I was with a friend that wasn't me just talking to my shoulder. Um, so I was like, I, I've got this. I've got this sussed. And I was getting ready to ask my question. And someone else asked tangential question. It wasn't, you know, kind of slightly related to what I did. Right now. And he went out and he explained the ending as part of his answer. Could not have been more wrong if I tried. Like, could oh, not have been more wrong if I tried. I mean, I think. I was bringing in a ton of symbolism and all the rest. Had I not had that experience there, like, interestingly enough, I didn't mention that on my podcast. Uh, my theory of the ending, because I knew what the end, I'd get, get right from the horse's mouth, I knew what it was. But, like, it didn't lessen it for me. But you have those, like, people have different, I don't know, it's like the internet is, like I keep saying, it's a great thing. At a touch of a button, I can see tits. It's like the best thing ever. But at the same time, I think, especially when it comes to, negative views negative posts and things that are designed algorithms essentially that are designed to make you comment are what will appear on feeds and most of those are designed in such a way to provoke a reaction and the strongest reactions you get from people tend to be negative reactions that yeah the pre stuff either is, end of the spectrum yeah we talked about this on that last episode where it's like you're better off either giving a movie a 10 or a one if you want your fucking list yeah like god forbid you give it a five because yeah, both yeah, sides right? are coming yeah. for you you know what i mean it's like but but it's why <laughs> when a movie is released it's or a tv show drops or whatever it's the scariest thing that's ever happened it's the and we act like the difference is that you are now there's a loudspeaker shouting it at you and that social media and the internet that's always been there like posters always had the scariest horror movie of the year. They were always on the posters. The trailer always said, you know, and you terrifying installment. They've always been there. It's mm -hmm. just, you've got 25 articles from, and all your friends now are telling you that, that one thing, that's the best thing or it's the worst thing. And there's no middle ground. There's no, it's fine for what it is, or you know, it was it was it was hugely entertaining, albeit flawed. You know, you can't you can't the, the nuance is gone, I suppose. Um, and that's why, like, we're chatting here. Even you were saying there, Cole, you're like, I watched the movie, watched them all like back to back. And whilst this might be your least favorite of the three, like you're you're already saying, I kind of wish I hadn't watched it with that, but that gut reaction is probably like you might watch the movie a second time and that gut reaction still exactly that, that's what i will it. say is that in 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 a case i think there if there's one thing that maybe we can all agree on is the best conversation you're going to have is probably going to be the first time you watch the movie because yeah. you, you know mm -hmm. that's where you're really going to get that i mean all the emotions are going to just kind of pour out uh mm -hmm. you know on the flip side too of what you're saying with the rewatches it's it's that whole analogy like you know, if you eat fucking prime rib every day of your life, you're going to eat a hot dog and it's going to fucking taste delicious. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's the difference well, between reviewing something and dissecting something. And I think mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a gap between right. them. If you're dissecting something, you kind of need to study it. If you review something, you need to consume it. 
Yeah, I think that's that's what I was going to say. Do you want visceral or do you want nuanced? Uh, yeah. Visceral is the first time watched. Nuanced is watching it a few times and then yeah. then talking about it. The when you have that first conversation when you walk out of the movie theater with your friends, everyone's like you know feeling exactly how they feel about the movie at that moment, having never seen it before. And there's something special about that. I agree mm. with that. But I think as as fans of horror and podcasters, it, people who talk about the thing that they're really passionate about, I do think that, that there's something to be said about seeing something a few times mm -hmm. and being able to, like how Duncan said, dissect it more so. It's like really tear into it because you have that knowledge now. And then you could tie, like, or like he said earlier, connect dots where you didn't before. Um, that's the value of a of a rewatch to me. Um, Cole, you watched all three of them together, right? Pr pretty yes. much in like yep. like within yep. forty hours. Yep. Um, knowing that this one's maybe your least favorite, like, and notwithstanding the fact that it's maybe not as scary as the previous ones, I'd be curious to like because to me the movies have always been a vehicle for Ed and Lorraine, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are the blandest bland characters in that first movie. Like they, they could be played by anyone. I just don't. I'd like that they have no real substance or depth to me at all. Um, they are the like the replacement for any priest in a movie that walks in. Um, yep. But by no, the I third agree. movie, by the third movie, they've got all this character behind them. The, the way they talk to each other. The fact that we mentioned it before. There's a kind of linking thing of Elvis that carries through and all the rest. That you get more of that. Uh, you know, when you're watching it, does that hold the same? sort of way as the scares from earlier installments, you know, in terms of your interest in watching a movie, or is it purely, I'm like, this is a Conjuring movie, I'm wanting the fucking scares. I'm going to give you a recap, and and I'm going to slyly say, you're going to have to tune into the first two. Oh, right. well, show what while a, he's on his show. <laughs> what I will say, Flex on him. Flex on him. <laughs> what, I, what I will say, however, though, is that when you have even outside of the conjuring universe, whenever you have a franchise, you're going to have a start and a finish and you, mm. uh, you can't do the exact same thing. Every movie, you have to change it up. So yeah. there's a formula with the first one, which you touched on, which is actually literally in my notes. And I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you, you've got the first one, which is going to be one way of a storytelling per se. And then you have the second one, which, spoiler alert, is my favorite, but mm. it's also the longest movie, and it's because it's the one that I feel has the most depth that tells the, 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 the best story, I guess you say. And then you have the third one, which you have James Wan handing off the reins, and he's, again, just barely tweaking that cocktail a little bit couple dashes of roofies in here for you because it's not <laughs> make you go asleep. but yes i, I think mm -hmm. that there's a couple strengths of the first ones and then you get into the third one which tries to you know what that you, you've got two parts because you've got chavez trying to kind of do his own little signature on the bottom of it but you you've it, it's i mean we talked about a little bit about it as mm. already it, it's 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 not it's the same characters it's the same carry on of the franchise but what you have is is a different type of story in that you've got a different antagonist and you've got a different 
the, the one thing I want, I'm, I'm going to give Jay the floor here in a minute because the one big difference with this movie is that I think the first two movies did a really good job of what I will credit Jay with this is horror in the daylight. And then you have this one, which is kind of the flip side of that. And, and I think well, yeah, they, they all but say that the possession only works at night. Like, like you're more powerful for your satanic practices at night. So they literally kinda, say in the movie, pay attention. Yeah, to they, the they movie. physically have to paint themselves into that corner, like where it has to be done that way. Although the death of the landlord happens during the day, which pokes holes in that, but we'll not go down that road. Um, yep, it's yeah. So I would. Yeah. Well, well, just, <laughs> just, wait, just you wait. But that that's trust me i've got a list here and i've already got the order that we're going to finish this off with and it's going to be duncan versus boss tuna here at the end but mm. i wanted to give the floor to jay here because i wanted to hear a little bit more about kind of your your experience with the conjuring and mm-hmm. tying into this third one here i want to i want to i want to get more of jay's perspective on not only the first two in a short snippet, but how it plays in, how it rolls into this 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 final entry so mm-hmm. far. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess if I were to just give you my overview on that is uh I first of all, Ed and Lorraine Lauren, their characters are probably my my favorite version of a married couple in in Hollywood depictions. Like honestly, like I and I've often lamented that, you know, the way they depict marriage and movies is just really screwed up and awful. And, and it's very, very rare that you ever get like a healthy uh, relationship on screen. And I, I love you, Jay. I love, I love you too, brother. And, and that's what I'm saying. I think that in this, you really see healthy, um, you know, mutual respect. I mean, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And I'm, I'm not. I've never thought of that until you brought it up but i'm like god damn yeah yeah they have an incredible love story so and that's that's extremely powerful and that also even though we know that um ed and lorraine they did not meet their demise through some kind of battle a spiritual battle they you know even though we know that it 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 increases the stakes and the weight of what's happening so anyways just want to say that i also um the the casting of them and particularly in this third film I, I noticed this as well the caliber of actors in horror sometimes we don't have um seasoned veteran actors or i i don't know but some sometimes it's a it's a beginning genre for actors as they launch their career and learn their craft but but no you're when, right when we when we have like people like Vera Farmiga in here um giving her performance it it also adds even more weight to what's going on like i love for example the changeling with george c scott because mm-hmm. you've got george c scott in a horror movie and like so Patton is reacting in a horror movie and, mm-hmm. and makes you believe <laughs> it um and then and then just the last two things i'll just chime in about this one is that um i love how there's actually some real life horror element in this because um what we have is a person who in the film itself, they're possessed or taken over. But, but in, in the real world, we hear all the time of people stabbing other people or attacking other people because they have some sort of delusion. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's neat that we have a horror depiction of that. 
in this film. And then the last just little point I'll make is that the I think this is a challenge for this particular film, but it's just it's a limitation of cinema because it's a reductive medium. You've got Roger Ebert's law of economy of characters where there are only so many characters introduced in the film. There are only so many people that you know about in the film. And so when it comes down to the mystery and plugging in who who is involved in what, um, you know, either either they give you something out of nowhere, you know, to surprise you. But there's no there's no context where that has value or <laughs> or it's one of those few characters. So when it comes back around and it's tied to, um, you know, father, what's his face? <laughs> father Kastner. Kastner. Yeah. Yeah. John Noble's character. Um, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, he was one of the only characters we met. So that makes sense. But anyways, I I don't know if I answered your question, you know, but that's my two cents. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. Yep. No, I just wanted to, I guess what we'll do now, being respectful to your guys's time, especially Duncan, what, what, what time do you have to get up for work tomorrow or for your kids? I'm just curious. Um, I don't really sleep, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, that, I've always that's, a, that's a goddamn hump uh genuine pro right there yeah, he's right. I, 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 I do suffer from pretty bad insomnia so i'm surprisingly awake just now so i, I know I, i'll brain. message him like i'm randomly like <laughs> oh shit i got this thing and i gotta message him so i don't forget and i'll get a response i'm like motherfucker you should be sleeping right now yeah. but hey at least i was gonna say the last time we did this uh you're you're yeah, I was gonna say you were you had a brand new baby. So. Yeah, she was she was like yeah she's, she's probably she's, sleeping a lot better now. So maybe. yeah yeah she's yeah she she she'll be asleep for a long time now. So good good good, uh, good. okay. <laughs> no um I want before we give our closing comments and ratings, I want to give the floor to all three of you in anything that we haven't touched on. Any is there anything you guys want to want to touch on before we go into the, I guess would be the the closing of the show the final comments and rating i've got one thing i would, I would mention yep, and yep. we mentioned them a lot already which is specifically james wan and what i would stress is the conjuring are not atypical james wan movies conjuring's one and two actually they lack a lot of they're far more serious than his oeuvre um if you actually look at his is like where his interests lie they're in movies that are the ones he's out with saw which is the exception to rule. That's the one that breaks him onto the market. But if you look at the movies he's he's most passionate about and chats about are, are the ones that are overtly campy or over the top, like cinematically over the top. So when you think of something like Dead Silent, for example, I mean, that is a campy, over the top gothic horror movie. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, man. And then which, what, what's awesome. interesting about it is that it's like Malignant as well, when you're thinking about it, it's over the top and it's, it's, it's kind of campy. The weird thing about it is when I look at The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, I don't, I see like a director who's working on a different level, but they're not what I would class as James Wan movies. Interestingly enough, The Conjuring 3 is the one that feels the most like James Wan and he's a guy that didn't direct it. Um, you know, it's the one that like throws everything at the wall. It's the one that really goes out its way to tie in all these different elements without being predicated specifically on, on like... Um, and setups to jump scares. It really, it really swings for it, and that's that's the the the, the James Wan that I've come to 
kind of at times dislike and other times respect as a guy who like swings hard for, for the fences every single time. I don't think the Conjuring or the Conjuring 2 does that at all. I think, if anything, they toe a very safe line and make very, very, very good, competent horror movies, whereas the third one is the one, to me, that really steps up and, and goes for it. And it either works for you very well um, and entertains, or it, you know it lacks those elements that made the first two movies a bit more mature. Like, without the love story in the middle you could argue that the story itself, that like the middle part, is kind of immature, like, you know, but that's the it's the core, of the, it's the love between those characters, it's the core, it's the heart of the movie, essentially, the Warrens being the heart of the movie, it's what actually makes it like a far more interesting and far more mature viewing experience. But all the other stuff in the movie is 100% James Wan, and he's not the guy that directed it. So I find that, I find that like, like even if you look at Insidious, Insidious is a great example of that. It's the one I didn't mention. Insidious is like a big ball of camp. Um, it gets scary to begin with, but it gets full on campy towards the end. Tiptoe um, through the two you know I mean? with it's me. The, it's like in Insidious too. Like is that is that way where if you're that's the James Wan that I know that makes movies, and weirdly the Conjuring one and two, which are his most successful horror movies, are the ones that don't feel very James Wan, where this one actually surprisingly does. That was the only observation I wanted to make. I made a note to uh, bring up, I guess, in a, in a couple of minutes here, when when it's the Boss Tuna versus Duncan showdown. But anything else you guys want to chat about? Any cool scenes with the movies? Anything you really appreciate? Anything you really hated? Uh, before we get into our final thoughts and ratings? I'll save all mine for the final thoughts. Okay. Same. I'm good as well. Yeah. So let's have Tom. I mean, not Tom Adkins. Uh, Jay the Dead. <laughs> I want. I want you to pleasure our ear holes with your final thoughts, ratings of The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay. Well, uh, I apologize to uh, Tibu for this, but man, uh, <laughs> that that's that subtitle. The Devil Made Me Do It get out of here again this is the second Brother. time i'm kicking you off the show <laughs> i'm just saying like what the I'm fuck like, i know i was like okay well we had the conjuring and then we had the conjuring two simple simple right yeah and it was gonna be the conjuring three yeah. but no they did the devil made me do it i thought that was kind of dumb but oh. once you once you learn the context but still i was like <laughs> can't have numbers can't have numbers in movies jay i don't know if you know this but numbers <laughs> do not chart well with young people they right. should have just called right. it the conjuring again right yeah i'm surprised yeah. they didn't or just conjuring or, no, conjuring just, yeah that's yes. it yeah you drop yeah. that the conjuring just conjuring just call conjuring. it conjuring. just call it conjure yeah so that's with that's the with trend the, without the e but here's the thing. These <laughs> these Conjuring Universe films are always beautiful. I mean, I th this film looks amazing. And mm -hmm. and because we do watch a lot of um, you know, as I said, I'm not dissing on the genre, but <laughs> some some <laughs> horrors low budget, you know, it's not always beautiful. And so it is a pleasure to watch these films. And I, I especially love to see how they do um, the shadows. Because I think lighting a horror film as a cinematographer, I think that would be really difficult, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe I just don't know anything about it, but I always think, wow, because it's got to be just dark enough where the corners are bathed in darkness, but you could still see your character. So I appreciate that in a film like this. Um, 
but yeah, the, the main stuff I already hit on. I, I, I love the fact that this, this villain in this, this woman is so cold and she's also creepily, she's very thin, like, yeah. like her appearance. There's something, I mean, there's just something about her that is very unsettling to me. And, and I love that character. I think that's really amazing. She's the um, slender witch. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't mean to infiltrate Jay's thing here, but on that, yeah. like, she's supposed to be this human antagonist slash villain. But mm-hmm. how does she go from being in front of him to behind him to slashing his neck? Like, I'm it's, like, it, it, dude, it's a movie. Yeah, well, it is a movie. You're, and I'm gonna take that end of my rating. Let's just not. And, well, and she does a half point lower. Thank you. I will. I will say. I. I, I think I can. I might be able to defend that. She does have apparently some power of deception um, with people. So, um, you know, we we see what the victims see right from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So, just saying. I mean, that's maybe. What was that but camera it, shot from his perspective, though? <laughs> hmm. Let me nah. think. I mean, we're we're we're, all, we're 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 existing in a world where this woman is able to summon a demon. So I, I'm going to say That's that true. she's able to summon a demon. She can mysteriously appear behind someone. I mean, yeah. you don't know that your neighbor across <laughs> the street and John Lithgow can't summon a demon. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Like, fuck with you. If, mm. if he lives in Lithgow, I would hope he can. Um, <laughs> Scottish black magic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, like that's like, it's one of those things that as soon as, as soon as someone is able to bring like conjure, we're using that word again, conjure a demon at that point, if they appear behind someone mysteriously, I'm just like, yep, yeah, that's just right. part of the, must be yeah. part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm often criticizing like Marvel films and my buddies are like, all oh, Jay was it was it that little thing in in a world where people are jumping around and flying? <laughs> yes. That's what bothered you. You're like, yes, yes, it was that. <laughs> yes, thing. it was. Because right. yeah, we we accept parameters, and if we're gonna set parameters, let's stick to them. Damn it! But mm-hmm. but no. So for me, rating the Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It. Um, it's a six point five out of ten. I could call it a rental. I think it's a one time watch. I I enjoyed it well enough the first time, and and actually. Even though it's been a whole year, you know, uh, I I was fine with watching it again. But, you know, I probably won't revisit this maybe ever. But not that I didn't like it, but, you know, it's just one of those films. There you have it. Okay. T-Bizzle slash Hogzilla slash Herbal Enchanter. What do you got, honey hair? Oh, okay. So my pick, I go, I go not last. All right, cool. Um, For the final movie well, in the whole I told you, thing. Duncan and I are going Battle Royale. Uh, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, you gotta, you got you gotta have the fucking uh, the throw down the gauntlet. No, I'm just fucking with you. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what Jay said. Like, I probably would not have revisited this film were it not for this review. Does that mean there aren't a lot of things about it that I didn't really enjoy on a second watch? Fuck, dude. The first scene in the film really sets it up. You have this epic exorcism going down. The little boys contorting all over the fucking table um the, the whole house is going crazy people are getting hit with dishes yeah the tent, there's tent tent pole movies there's tent pole scenes in every movie the first and closing scenes in the in the, in this film really really sold it for me and there's a lot of in between i have notes again but we didn't go through them um nor did we need to i enjoyed this conversation but when it comes to the last shot of the film or the last scene where you have all the, the story tying itself all together uh, from different characters' perspectives. And then you have Ed and Lorraine Warren having their 
not showdown, but Ed trying to kill her because he's possessed by the witch. All that witchy imagery, I immediately love that shit. It just, it's something in me. This was going to be right up your alley. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, it is. Even on the first watch, I was like, oh, fuck, they're taking a whole different approach. It's not just a ghost or a demon. It's a witch that is, I know she's called the occultist, but fuck that. She's a fucking witch. She's got a witch's altar. When you have Patrick Wilson at the end, like the love saves them. And, and he fucking comes in and swings that fucking hammer, breaks that shit, stands there and tells her, you made a deal with a demon. He's going back to hell with a soul, whether you like it or not. And that demon fucking contorts her ass up and, and snaps her in two. And then you get the gazebo ending. That's the perfect cap off. And that's why I love what Jay was saying. And I've been saying it since we started talking about it. The Warrens are the strongest part of this film for me. Yeah. And the strongest part of this franchise for me. The Warrens make it. Uh, uh, Patrick Wilson and Viga Fermera. If I said, I hope I said her name right. Yep. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> they, 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 they do a great job. Uh, an excellent job, uh, an outstanding job with these characters. All that being said, this is a 7.5 out of 10 for me. Um, this movie gets 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 some love. I I probably won't watch this again unless I have to, but that's kind of been the same thing with some of the Conjuring films to begin with. Like I said, it's a series I love and appreciate because of what it is. It's a big budget horror slobber knocker for people who who maybe aren't the biggest horror fans um but they can go watch a good horror movie get their thrills see something that they're not normally going to see a beautiful horror film with some good scares some good writing and this movie like duncan pointed out a million times is like that poor name mother trucker but anyways this is this is the b movie of the conjuring series and i love it even more for that that probably gives it that extra point it would have been it could have been a 6.5 but i'll give it that 7.5 because i love schlocky i love shit that doesn't make sense it doesn't need to all the time i just sometimes you just want to be in are you not entertained entertained? and 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 i want to yeah i'm gonna give jay some shit that (laughs) fucking that fucking subtitle is the goddamn best man come on <laughs> the devil made me do it. It, it that's when i first heard it that's why i was like yeah this movie is going to be schlocky and cheesy and this that and the other and it, it wasn't as much as i would have hoped for but it's enough it's enough that the, i would like i would call it the b movie of the the conjuring series if they don't make any more and it, you know what if they don't make any more great cap off to um the warrens i think that's a beautiful ending for, and it's got van morrison playing at the end yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> it's it's the best. All right. I mean, this is going to be straight up Braveheart right now. So, you know, I hate that movie. You do hate that movie? Oh, I'm caught you. Very, very similar, very similar to the Conjuring movies. Could not be more historically inaccurate. Oh, this guy coming. I mean, Mel Gibson. Okay. Come on, dude. Yeah. I'm Mel, Gibson, Mel, Gibson, Mel Gibson is like Mel Gibson in that movie is in love with. Uh, like a princess who actually at that time frame was a baby, right? So I mean, <laughs> awkward. Well, it's, yeah, just just a tad. For um, entertainment purposes. For I mean, Game of Thrones. Purposes. I'm I'm watching, rewatching all of Game of Thrones and reading <laughs> the book. And yeah, everybody in the book of Game of Thrones is 12 years old, but in the in the show they're getting plowed 
but there's <laughs> anyways <laughs> let's let's use okay anyways we're oh, okay way off rails here so fight it out you motherfuckers <laughs> okay i'm gonna go first here uh mr duncan mcleish and yeah. Because I am hoping this has happened once or twice before on the Joe Blow mm-hmm. show where uh, Tibu has kind of righted my wrongs and, and brought me back into the light. So the first thing I want to do was just sing you a little song. Wise men say only fools. <laughs> only fools rushing. All right. But I can't help falling in love with Duncan and Jay. That's the first thing I wanted to say. <laughs> they say, give a hug before you give a kick in the nuts. So this is me giving you a hug right now. There you go. You had Elvis swoon you a bit. Mm-hmm. I could tell watching these back to back that this was a definite drop off from the free previous two Conjuring films in that the effectiveness of what I expected was not there. And I don't want to, we're not here reviewing Conjuring 1 and 2, but Conjuring 1 and 2 were a lot scarier movies. When I when I hear the term Conjuring and when I hear James Wan, I expect a scary jump scare, something experience. You talked a lot about the previous movies that he had done. And I am watching these movies from a standpoint of not knowing anything about the historical relevance of any of the hauntings the Enfield or anything like that. So I'm watching these movies as a movie. I want to go in. I want to be entertained. I want to be, you know, horror movies don't necessarily have to be scary, but you know, horror movies have their avenues. They're going to drive down. Are they going to be gory? Are they going to be scary? Where are you going? That's what I expected, but I could tell right away that there was a definite drop off. The jump scares were not nearly as effective as where they were in the, in the previous two films, not saying that, the conjuring Duncan made me do it had to have very effective jumps, <laughs> but I'm just saying that I'm going in with an open mind. I'd never seen this movie until about what, four hours ago. I will give you that. There were some really well done scenes, but even the scenes that I thought were maybe the highlights of the movie left me a little bit underwhelmed. So on front street here, let's talk about the, the morgue scene. So I had all these bullet points. I gave you guys a heads up before that. I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Do I save it for, you know, the end or do we talk about it before? So I'm going to go a little bit long here. Just yell at me and, and, and interrupt me if you guys have anything to say, but the scene that I really liked the most, but then I kind of hated was the morgue scene. So if we get into that real quick here, I will say that that was, probably my favorite scene in the movie but i felt that it was the most poorly done because it was kind of that whole low-hanging fruit type Mm -hmm. when it comes to a movie like this and not enough necrophilia yes yes there should have been there should have been way more body dead body fucking yes yes i mean I mean, I mean, if I'm being honest, maybe the part of that I liked the most about it was is it brought me back to Dono Four with the the naked zombie running at running at him, and then you got like Tebow on the gurney with his pants down like this or something. But, <laughs> so anyway, you I I felt that that scene was built up to be a very memorable scene where they were like, you know what, this is going to be something people are going to talk about. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's low hanging fruit because it's like any scene you do. What's that movie I saw a couple of years ago? I only saw it once in the theater. 
God, uh, the the haunting of Deborah Morgan or something maybe where De- the whole Deborah, thing Deborah Logan Deborah yes Logan. yes yeah. that whole movie took place in a in in a um a morgue essentially oh no that's um the autopsy of Jane Doe no no oh, not yeah. that one that that well, one no, too but no. I like that one the, no well de- no well, the if it's possession Deborah- of yeah. um Hannah Grace. <laughs> Hannah Grace. Yes, that's yeah. what it is. That's I, I, I love the fact about. that all the names are so very, very simple. Yes, yes. yes. Not, the, yes. not a sweeping indictment on how we name horror yep. movies. It's either it's done well or it's not. Autopsy of Jane Doe is a fucking ten, by the way. Just yeah, saying. It is. Right it is. Good. That movie is a Brian Cox. Brian Cox, son. Oh. From mm-hmm. Dundee. Anyways. So there you go. That's one yeah. of those things where, you know, each genre has its own kind of easy way out in certain i mean like every movie has to have a scene like that that one i thought was done pretty well because it did some really good kind of camera tricks and it had that big fat screaming zombie thing that that ran at you as well but i was like you know what is it i felt like that was like trying to be pushed on you as is one of the highlights of the movie but again i just it does have weighted importance so that's the point that she realizes that's the reveal of who's behind everything so, yeah. like, that's her first encounter with the witch. So she should survive that, but there also should be an element of threat, but she should also be prepared for the... Once again, this is the superhero format. As like, you've got to look at it that way. This is the first battle with the big villain who, you know, it's a, a battle of wills. They both feel each other out, and then they dust themselves off and get ready for the final battle. I love, so. I love, I love when, when she turns to him and she's like, the connection goes both ways. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. That was... Yes. Yeah. That's why there are some really good parts of that scene, but there were some other ones. I was like, I'd like to see it just in a done, done in a different format because <laughs> it's easy to make a horror movie with a scary scene done um, in a morgue. That was one thing I felt was like it needed just, it was, it was really generic. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the theme I'm seeing with the whole movie here. Even though the first two were huge theater hits, this one here, I'm like, you know, they're they're just kind of it surprises me. You think that the third one's generic, and you don't think the first one is the first one is he paint by numbers, Amityville, I, yeah, Exorcist. I agree with Duncan right it's here. Like, like literally, yeah. it's honestly, it's you could go through that movie and reference the seven movies that it's basically taken carte blanche scenes from and then put it into. I mean, it, it just yeah, I th- like the difference is though is that. Everything in that first movie is done very, very effectively. You can yes. watch a hundred of them, but everything from something as simple as the timing to the score matching up with the jump scares. I mean, it was it was it was done very well. I would I would put the conjuring one, even though it was done in what 2012 or 13 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, that one even though the formula has been done so many times previous, it was so effective. That's that why it, it was so successful. Yeah. But it, it didn't matter. And, yeah. and Bostuna, I think a reason that's effective is because it begins as a haunted house film, but it, it wraps up and concludes and an as a, a possession. Yeah. yeah exorcism yep. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then um, once again, like, like I say, just, it just, it goes through, it just reminds me of a lot better movies, if I'm honest. I don't want to be harsh. I don't really like The Conjuring. I don't really like Conjuring too. Um, they just remind me <laughs> of movies that came out, what, 30 years, 40 years before? Yeah. And actually are more entertaining and better. Um, so, <laughs> yikes. 
No, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 mean, agree. I, I, I agree with both. I, agree I really with both don't. Y'all on a lot of these points, yeah. but I agree with that as well. Like, like again, a series that I do love, but appreciate a little bit more so. And maybe it's because it has a lot of roots in horror history and is effective enough that it feels it can, like a familiar movie. You know what I mean? Can, like when well, you're it, watching it, there's a familiar feeling to it. I like that. It, I, I like that. It also can introduce people though. Like this is somebody's first horror movie, mm-hmm. the conjuring, oh, yeah. you know? So like, so after that movie there as a seasoned horror fan season to a certain degree, whenever they come, come to see a film like this, like I did, I saw a lot of it, but I was like, I was still taken by it. I was like, okay, all right. This is this is craftsman craftsmanship done at its finest. There's mm-hmm. love in this, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's I think that that is shown throughout this entire series is that there's love put into this mm-hmm. for people who are horror fans. Whether it's James Wan breathing down the neck of a uh, uh, Michael Chives, Michael 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 Chiles, Michael Chavez, <laughs> whatever his name is, uh, uh, Michael Boston. Yeah, sorry, Boston. Uh, go go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm going off. I want to be clear. This isn't why I hate the movie. This is, I just clung on to one of the first things that Duncan said was that this was his favorite out of the three. And I was like, yeah, wait to hear my score, by the way. Like, I think you think I like this movie more than I do. Um, My score is not high on this movie. So I I probably came in the highest. I think (laughs) it's just that I was like listening to him. Like, you don't like this more than the first or second one. Anyways, uh, I'm not saying I, you, you'll you'll get my rating here in a second. Yeah, yeah. I don't dislike this movie, but the reasons why I put this movie before, behind the previous two are, as I previously said. Yeah. But another big thing is that I, we talked a little bit about this before, was that the formula, you know, when Chavez took this over, he had this vision, this idea where he wanted to go. He had the story that was written by the dude with 17 names. And then he read it. <laughs> I'm going to go. And I did not like the, the, the formula that was put in with it because the movie I felt was focused more on the, the, the Warrens, which there's no doubt the Warrens are the backbone of this entire franchise, but with you trying to put the focus on both Ed and Lorraine and you're, you've got them in that stereotypical role where you've got a bad guy versus the protagonist. And you're supposed to put yourselves in that, that position where you're white knuckled, like, are they going to make it out of this? It just didn't work because I knew in the back of my head that nothing was going to happen to them. And it was going to be that, that, that whole idea where, you know, we've seen this done a dozen times hundreds of times where they're going to be you ask you ask for people to chime in i will chime in right now and say i don't think that should be a deciding factor for this movie in my opinion also the previous two movies are predicated on the the second one though yeah but the first two movies you know that they survived past that as well so but let's take i I wanted to say what 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 boss tuna said at the beginning the onset Take out the fact of the historical narrative. Like, get get rid of history. Get rid of all that, and just take the movie. Which is in difficult when the movie says based on the true events of the ones. I, I, that's I, the problem. I understand, as soon as I understand you that at the start, and then but 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 the let's, end, let's, let's say let's say you don't research it, right? right? Let's say you just don't do it. So ignore all that and just say, okay, I think this is based on a story, but whatever. No, like no one, no one. There's no fucking documentary out there that actually proves demonic possession. You only have you can see it and then you can think it's either this way or that way, whatever, whatever. So you get rid of all that. Um, God damn it. Sorry. No. Yeah. 
what, what, what was the point? <laughs> I fucked myself I was, up. No, no. I was, I was talking about the fact that the Warrens were supposed supposedly put into a precarious situation where I knew that nothing was going to happen to them the whole time. That, that was okay, the entire yeah, climax of the movie. Okay. So, and, and so I'm saying like, when it comes to a movie like this, where you're, you're three movies in, you know who your heroes are. Why do you think that that Ed's going to die of a heart attack from the demon? Like why, why would you even for a moment speculate they're not going to triumph in the end? Because I want them to triumph. I want them to win. And when they won, as cliche as it is, because you and I'm a guy that loves bleak and cold. Uh, Boss Tuna can well, attest to this. Let's be honest, though. The, the, the way that it ended with him just doing the sledgehammer on the, the table, I thought was just like, this I is mean, the best. It's the best. God, no. I, I love it. I love it. It's an epic scene. It's so badass. No, he just fucking not epic. Boom. That's the problem I had. It was, it was not epic. <laughs> And that epic. was the power with the other two is, is that it focused more on certain characters. And I know Duncan, you had talked about the fact that it was focusing on Arnie, but Arnie at this point in the movie was almost like a, like, yeah, we're, 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 we'll, we'll get to him. Secondary, when... secondary as he should that's, be. Cause that's it's the, about the fucking Warrens. Cause that's the, 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 like I say, <laughs> all links back to my, my initial opening statement on this is that it's two movies. One movie is the, the actual, what the the book is based on which is a guy who stood trial for murder who claimed to be possessed and the warrens backed up that by saying we were there at the original exorcism and we saw whatever entity transfer over and then he committed this bad act and we believe that he is possessed by an entity that's the that's that's one movie the second movie is 90% of this movie which is all made up which is all someone writing down, writing a story as to how they come to that part there. I, it's I mean, how the devil made me do yeah, it. That's the, but that to me is the, that's the entertaining bit of the movie. Like the, yeah. the, the courtroom thing is the least entertaining because that's the least amount of time is spent like doing anything to do with that. By the time we come back to him in the court, I'm like, the only other times I've seen him is when he's about to kill himself um, when he's been haunted by something, when he's like mopping a floor, um, or when he was doing the Highlander thing. That is literally that is the only, <laughs> I mean, that's the only Henry time Cap you see oh. that's the only time you see that character. So ultimately what it's doing is it's setting up like I think basically Travis said is the, the linchpin to this one is that the, the, the filmmaker is hoping that you are invested enough in the world's characters Bruh. to Oh, Even if this, they're put in peril, I mean that's but that's the template of every hero goes up against a villain. If they smite them pretty quickly and without much, you know, without much effort, then what's the what's the point? We have to add an element of of danger, even if we know ultimately, which we do, um, that element of danger is not going to pay off in any any great way, shape, or form in terms of actually the danger that they put in, because we know beyond whether you know or not, it'd be very unlike this movie to kill off one of the Warrens. Like, even walking into this one, it'd be very unlikely that they were going to do that. So you shouldn't, even if you'd not read any of the historical stuff, if you went in like, one of these guys is going to die, can't fucking wait, uh, a Warren snuff movie, if you thought that was going to happen, <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, I think you were, you were you were going on. I'm not saying you were, but I would think if you were an audience member, he was. Going he's, he under was. He's, pre no, 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 he's a big. They are the. They are the. They no, are I gotta the franchise. say, they made a mop bucket scary. All right, 
this movie did that at least. It made a mop bucket kind of creepy for a second. That's all. <laughs> it just did for a second. So, so to go back to something Jay had said earlier is, is this like, it's hard not to talk about the movie you wanted to see versus the one that you actually saw. 100%. But, 100%. But mm-hmm. I would have liked to see a little bit more investment in that. Because because don't get <coughs> me wrong. The, the <coughs> crimes of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Get that trash out of here. We're talking. About- <laughs> no, that's what I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Okay. The movie okay. You wanted to see versus the movie that you actually got. Yes. Yeah. So yes. what I will say is that I did. I loved the opening of this movie. I loved the whole character of Arnie. I wanted to see more of that and less of what we got. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's my own fault. And, and I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. That's the movie. I, the, the movie I thought I was getting when I walked in the door is all the court stuff that it was basically, it was going to be like, and it was going to be like the exorcism of Emily Rose is what I thought we were going to, uh, that what I thought I was going to get. Mm-hmm. It just so happens the movie that I did get um, for 90% is just absolute nonsense and thus became like hugely entertaining. Um, that's what, like my, my thing on this movie is like the Conjure movies to me are, I don't rate them very highly at all. I'd like the first one rates relatively low for me out with some very good practical don't, effects. I'm going to ask you the ratings of the first two, but not right now. Right. Cool. Um, so yeah, the, like the, the first movie to me, it, it feels like, like a, almost like a, it's like a highlight reel of movies that I've seen before. Um, and all it does is make me pine for, it's like when, it's like when I watched that movie upgrade, um, the Lee Winnell movie yep. and yeah, all yeah. the way through that movie all I could think of was Robocop's a great movie and then when it finished I watched Robocop <laughs> and I was like Robocop's a great movie that's kind of what I'm like with The Conjuring I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> to myself The Changeling's a really good movie Amityville's a really good movie Exorcist's a really good movie I just like I, I was going through this laundry list of of movies that it clearly like clearly James Wan is influenced by and I have no issue with a filmmaker being influenced by or paying homage in fact a lot of the filmmakers that I enjoy do exactly the same thing. Second, like the second movie to me is just a lot of nonsense. It's my least favorite out of the three. Um, uh, mostly because, because, like I say, I'm tied to you're tied to the lore. And but like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say right now, and I agree with Boston and people who've listened to this series at this point know that's my favorite conjuring film is the second. Yeah, if you if I there's a I will I'll send you me too. There's a there is a there is a movie called The Enfield. Haunting of Enfield Horror, which is about 20 times scarier than The Conjuring 2. And it doesn't really? have the warns. Yeah, it doesn't have really? the warns in it. Low budget British movie, which leans into that. Doesn't have the warns in it. Doesn't have any, doesn't have Elvis. Um, if, it if it ain't got the warns and it ain't got yeah, Elvis, you know what I mean? It does, like, I don't want like, it. <laughs> so it doesn't have any of that. It just focuses on the haunting. Um, and that to me is the scary part. All the additional stuff they add in is just not scary. And like I say, it doesn't. Like the crooked man and all the rest. These are things that are just made by oh come Hollywood. On. The the real story's fucking scary as fuck. Like 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 legitimately terrifyingly scary. Send send, send me the link because I want to yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, too, yeah. Like, the real I, I story like a is scary movie as much. Yeah, it's as I not like it's not a, it's not a Hollywood production or anything. I think it might even even be is made it, for TV, like a TV miniseries from 2015. That's the one. Yeah, Timothy Got- Spall. Guys, yes. oh, so Timothy Spall, Timothy Spall is, is a fucking legend. Yeah, yeah right. man. so yeah, great. And, but it focuses down on the main paranormal investigators and reporters that investigate it. So, like, by the time I get to the, the the second, the second Conjuring movie, I'm like, right. So we're doing 
We're doing Enfield. Let's see what you bring to the equation here. I watch it once again. I see, I see a lot of what, what I didn't want to see. Uh, but what it did well was it made the Warrens a more relatable couple. Um, and that was that's the, the hook in for me, even though they're the fabricated element in that story and that they weren't there. Um, so I, I get that. So then the third movie swings around, which is like they were involved in this. They did the exorcism. There's recorded it. There's actual physical recorded evidence of them. And being you got to hear part of it too at the end of the movie. Yes. Like, so mm-hmm. you get you get that element. Right. So that to me, I'm like, cool. Right. And that shit's so then, freaky as fuck. So you then have two. You've got two avenues you can go down. Right. And it's like you say, it's the movie that you kind of expect or want to see in the movie that you get. The movie that I got is not a good movie. It is hugely entertaining. I don't think The Conjuring, I think The Conjuring is such a serious movie um, that I like, and serious has its place, but once again, it didn't do anything that even remotely made me feel like I was seeing something like like I said before, like a James Wan movie. It doesn't feel like a James Wan movie. Stack them against I'm what James interrupt Wan... you real quick here yep. and say that a lot of what you're saying is yep. obviously I don't I don't agree with and the way that I rated this movie was <laughs> not a nice, a nice way of seeing shit, but thanks. no 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 well, well... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna like put a couple pieces of bread on that turd just so I don't I'm just gonna say that when I watch this movie. I think the difference is, is you watch this through a different lens in that you 100%. know exactly what happened, what went on. And it's almost like you watch this movie and, and you're initially like, nope, that didn't happen. Nope, that wasn't right. That was right. I did not know any of that stuff. So I went in watching it, which is almost counterintuitive. Well, I, but this I guess, movie is the second one. But this movie is the one that does the least uh, this one is the least accurate out of the three yes yep 90 percent of it is just like absolute tosh and that's kind of what makes i'm I'm like i'm with jay on this one like at this stage just take the wardens as a character concept right yeah just plug them in anywhere and i will (laughs) make it as weird and over the top as you want and i this is the insidious movie i want that i've still to see (laughs) part of me wants to like see your reaction and rating if you hadn't known anything that happened with the second one or the third one mm-hmm. just to see I, I'd, I still wouldn't have rated the second one all that high i okay. think the second oh. one's I, I don't think the second <laughs> oh. i think the second, like that's okay okay i knew nothing about the first story right so i knew nothing about the the, the story behind the original and i'll be honest i knew very little about the story of the third movie. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait! You didn't know that Ron Livingston quit his job at Office Space and he moved out into the country <laughs> with his family. And I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, the movie, the movie, the fax machine had no list. chance. So, yeah. <laughs> so I like, I knew nothing about the original haunting from the first Conjuring okay, movie. Okay. And I knew well, nothing I'm just saying, about just the story in the third movie. I've read after the fact. So after the fact, I was like, that this feels really compelling. And it said at the front, the true events. So I'm gonna. And you know, this is a really compelling thing. I'm going to read this. And then I found that the, the stories themselves are infinitely less interesting. Um, and, mm. you know, I'm like... Welcome that, to Hollywood. <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm saying. But then that's that's kind of why the Enfield one is one why it gets my art because the, the actual story itself is much more scary than what they actually put on the screen. Um, 
And then I watched that and I'm I like, that, you've, know water, that. you've actually watered this down. It is the most, it is the most I've prolific haunting know. in the UK. I've got to the know. because most prolific haunting in the UK. It's fucking terrifying. Loves, I, I do love hauntings and I do love researching I don't even stuff. believe in ghosts. I don't, yeah, and me, I don't well, me, believe in any of that shit. But that, me, me, that me neither. I, 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 align, I align more with you than, than with yeah. J.R. Bostuna about like, I don't think demonic possession is yeah. necessarily a real thing. I'm not going to say that shit isn't out of our comprehension. But uh, but I, but I, I, at least I kind of fall more in line with that as like I don't know about ghosts I don't I don't I kind of tend to think that that's just not real but th- thinking it's not real and then having your mind blown by something you can't explain is also way more fucking interesting to me yeah mm-hmm. and and so to learn about the infield haunting would be awesome it's not a story I'm familiar with the only way I was introduced to it was through Conjuring two um, and I'm not gonna rail off about Conjuring two but that that is my favorite of the three yeah. Um, it seems to it seems to rank pretty high with a lot of people. I, like I say, I'm just not at like, and like, let me just let me just like give you a little bit of something here, Cole. Um, so you don't completely hate me and rescind any invitations. <laughs> I mean, um, that's impossible because I've already that's impossible. Right oh, the nipples yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. As me, my night. Um, if you're going on <laughs> horror movies, if you're going on horror movies, the third movie is probably the least effective horror movie. Right out of the three, yeah, if you're going yes. on, if you're going on movies that actually fucking entertain, like I like at the end of that movie, I was like, I think I like I, I just saw an elephant fly. You know what I mean? As like I, I, like, I, can, I, see like, that. I can see the, that. the third movie is 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 just it's a big ball of nonsense. And like oh I said before, like I would much rather have the big ball of nonsense, which throws everything at the wall, and it sticks, than watch a very competent movie. That just reminds me of something else. Much, that, that, that's much that's, better. So that's, wrapping that's up the, my review, oh, I will dude. say that I can actually agree with Duncan oh. and say that you know what? Yes, for the people that are just looking for a simple explanation and a conclusion to a movie, yes. <laughs> that that's one, all three that movies. One. As well, by the way, and that's yeah. the other thing I don't like about the Conjuring movies is everything's tied up in a nice neat bow at the end. All three of those movies, it's like a nice neat bow. And I'm like, hmm. Like, but you like, do get that little, like that little, like it just like boop, boop, boop. Yeah, what I mean is what I mean is like the three families. Whatever, and, yeah, yeah the three families whatever. in all three of those movies, lives were shattered at the end of it. Like, yeah. like by the, the end of these movies, we're looking at gazebos and singing Elvis. <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's just a little bit yeah. like it's all about the Warrens, cuz goddamn, it's Warrens. all about the Warrens. Yeah, yeah. It's, Very... it's like watching it's like watching that Superman movie where, like, uh, Michael Shannon and uh, whoever played Superman in that movie, Henry destroy, Henry like, destroy an entire city, like, absolutely. I will find him. Like, just like wipe out an entire city, like, as if it's not there it's anymore. And then at the end of the movie, we're like, well, there we go. I defeated the enemy. Meanwhile millions homeless you know like yeah. people starving on the street it's just it's like that it's like there's a once again for a movie that like at the end even goes as it's just very, they're very flippant actually um the, for a movie that will will try and ground itself in reality on both sides specifically um and that's why i say it's the warden's movies so like the the part of this story that they fabricated is the warden's involvement because they literally told the defense lawyer is demonic possession. We saw it. And that was about the extent of their involvement in the trial out with 
they wanted to write a book, they wanted to ship options, the publicists wanted to get out there in a, in a movie and all the rest, but that's their involvement. So they basically manufactured the movie around that. And that manufactured movie, entertaining as hell. Absolutely yeah. entertaining as hell. The last, so. last couple points I have to wrap this up are, Duncan, you had talked about the fact that this was closer to a James Wan movie than a lot of his other ones. Yeah, the other Conjuring movies, yeah. Yes. I, I, I mean, to be honest, after hearing you talk about that, I was like, you know what? Okay, I, I can see that. But when I initially was watching this and rating it, I did not. I went in just as an independent movie, the third one of the franchise. For everything I'd said prior to that, I don't dislike this movie. I don't hate it. This is coming in at a six and a half. So it's, 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 it's not a bad movie. I liked it. I'm just, mm-hmm. I just latched on to the fact that you like this so much and automatically I just went I like, think I think I may have, uh, I may have misled you in the message. I, I went just Pitbull <laughs> where I was like, oh, this motherfucker loved this one. I was like, no, this is, I, I, I think, I, I, I think what I said was it was my favorite of the three, but that's like, mm-hmm. It's yeah, like saying yeah. what's what, what's the most painful shit to take. Um, you know what I mean? Also, like he's also been ignoring me the whole time. I've been making all the same fucking points. Yeah. The Warrens are the goddamn best. This movie's cheesy as fuck. Yeah, goddamn well, it! But Duncan made it a point to talk, and he, he, he ignores he came me. Came at me, bro. He I'm came at me, bro, and said that this co-host. was the best of the three. I was like, it's not. Let's do <laughs> it's this. Not, it's it's no. not the best of the three. I didn't I'm see it's the best. Of, once again, good movie. Like, just to stress, I like. I didn't overhype the movie. I didn't, I didn't say it with. I said this was my favorite. I didn't say it was the best. It, I said it, it was my favorite. The, the previous ones. But anyways, go ahead. Quote <laughs> Duncan. Although I'm going to ask everyone for the ratings on the first two, but I, I'm just curious. I want to know what. I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle through all three. Yeah. So um, like, don't get upset here, please. Please, please try and not get too upset. Uh, I'd give the first Conjuring movie a five um, out of 10. I'd give the second Conjuring movie a four out Ugh. of 10. Oh, I would give this show. movie a 6.5 out of 10. You son oh. of a bitch. That's so three, literally what I feel about it. It's, 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 it to me, it's my favorite movie. I just want to be none clear of them that you're giving the second one. Decline. You're saying that that's below average. For That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You're a I'm crazy gonna man. You, I'm going to give no, you a... No, it's just that like, once again, I don't think it's a very good movie. I don't think it's a very well-made <laughs> movie either. I also think the like, if you want to pull out this thread, I think the CGI in it is absolutely deplorable for a movie that costs the, the amount that it costs. I think the CGI in it is fucking horrific oh and that's that like have you well you must have revisited that I, I watched it in high def last year and i was just like that it didn't always did it always like this bad oh when did this <laughs> i just want to say give me the spooky friends. voice but all right and also one more thing just on the back of uh like a comment that jay said right at the start this particular oeuvre um not a favorite of mine uh this is not my so if you, this is what you're having to do just now with mark nado like you need to sit down and have a wee quiet word with them and say <laughs> there, is, there is more there is more than just this genre I'm oh like, my god dude that, that diminishing returns in this genre there really really is more, he watches way more than any of us there's no oh, way he's, he, he's at a different level yeah, like, it, like his viewing his, year, his on year viewing like what comes out in a year is on a different level. Maybe than that's the difference. Maybe we need to watch 800 movies a year to appreciate the possession. <laughs> oh man. You said that I didn't. I didn't. Uh, Mark, I love you. You know, I love you. Um, I, I love him too, but that's true. I'm going to back 
boss tuna right now. Like maybe we need to fucking absorb more, and then just, we'll be like, just, like yeah, just, possessions just, the best. St- just stack the deck with the uh, <laughs> other movies. I mean, if I'm being honest, zombies are my favorite horror genre, and that's pretty despicable. So, anyways, we all have it. We all have our favorites. We all have our favorites, and yeah. the, guess, guess what? They're all dodgy. <laughs> so, God, we're coming at 7:30 at night. It's like fucking two days ahead of us over in Scotland. So, um, Jay of the Dead, uh, give us your ratings on the first two, if you would, please, sir. Sure. The Conjuring is like a seven out of 10 for me. The Conjuring 2, I actually like better. It was 7.5 out of 10. And this one, the third one is 6.5. Okay, perfect. Oh, no, 6.5, uh, nice. Hebu, we'll save ours because the, the, the listeners have already heard it. So this is a point of the show where I, I, I'm going to unhinge my jaw. And oh, yeah. do my yoga poses here and 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 say that I, I really do appreciate you guys coming back. The fact that I was able to work with, well, not I, but we were able to work with your guys' schedule. Jay's over Western United States. Duncan's over in the United Kingdom. They gave up a lot to come on the show with us. Jay Thank had y'all. to get out of work early. Uh, Duncan has much. to get up in like two hours. And, and nipple feed his daughter and he's <laughs> and I'm 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 sure there's a camera in here. <laughs> there's a camera in this <laughs> no but in all seriousness I am I am actually very very honored and, and happy to have you guys both back on. So not only thanks for joining us but thanks for coming back. You guys were were you know awesome I'm I'm glad we we're able to make it work. Jay, uh, talk about all of your endeavors and, uh, you know, make sure you, you give us the, the date when pig headed horror weekly is coming out along with all the other shows. So <laughs> hippie wears brother, where, where can our oh. listeners find you at? Well, thank you so much. And, and I just got to tell you one, one more time, how much I appreciate you having me back on the show. I really love being on this show. You guys, the vibe is just really fun. And, and I see, I mean that. Um, Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. So any anytime, let yeah, let me know. Um, and and Duncan, it's it's an honor to finally get to meet you. I've been I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. So yeah, well, I I got a feeling this isn't going to be the last time. So. That's hell right, yeah. yeah. That's right. So. But uh, yeah. So I I'm at uh Jay of the Dead's new horror movies at uh, newhorrormovies.com, and <laughs> got a lot of great co-hosts over there. We have a a blast. If you if you love horror movies, um, you should really check it out because we've got a little bit of everything on there. We got specialty segments where people cover various things, and I'll I'll, I'll give you an exclusive right here on the Joe Blow Horror oh, Show. I'm listening. No, no, no nobody as a in the fan. World. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm gonna do um. So my segment that I've been doing is it could happen to you horror, which is things that could actually happen to you in real life that are like a horror movie and i'll continue to do that but i am because you mentioned it i am starting a pig-headed horror segment (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and i can't wait (laughs) that's right but anyways i'm also at a horrormovieweekly.com um so i hope people will check out those too and uh thanks so much again for having me Jay's Jay of the Dead's new horror movies has an eight hour epic out there. Okay. All I'm going to say is I was like, holy shit. I saw the runtime of that episode and I'm like, I'm going to dive into this. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all, y'all are putting out some some goddamn content, and so is T Putts over there. What's up, yes. Duncan? Tell um, us where. Tell everyone where they can find you. Um. Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is just go to the website, which is tputtscast.com. T p u t s c a s t dot com. Links to everything is there, or if you search podcast under the stairs. Or T Putts Collective um, on your podcatchers, you'll either get the podcast under the stairs, which is currently for the next, well, depending on when this episode goes out, we're in summer series, which means you're getting on average between five and six episodes a week. Um, for <laughs> to, to the end of, to the end of September, and then we we jump into Basaween for um, October, which is super fun this year. He's doing. The Phantom, Phantasm movies, and we're pairing the Phantasm Whoa! movies. Yeah, he's de- so he's going through them. He's never seen them before. Um, so he's going through those, and we're pairing them up with a folk horror movie from a different continent. Uh, so each each one's being represented. So from the UK, we're doing things like Blood and Satan's Claw. That's from- right up Tibu's alley. Yeah, dude, yeah. you 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 were you were speaking all my language, cosmic. Fucking folk horror, like all this shit, witchy shit. Like I love all. Yeah, that I just shit. hope that I just hope that you just remember that Baz is a bit. He's a bit rough around the edges. So um I love that. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen or whatever, but to give everyone a heads up, uh I I was on the beach of Jamaica uh yeah. back in what middle June, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I gotta check out what Duncan's been doing. I met this dude that was from John. I don't even know how honestly it's, it's called even, Linlithgow. 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 I just yeah. called it John Lithgow, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I know someone that's from up in that area. Long story short, we sat there and listened to the Boz and uh, Duncan cover the sadness, and that was a phenomenal episode. Check it out. But yeah, this guy apparently grew up. I mean, what do you guys like? Well, Lithgow is like 15 minutes from where 15 I live. Minutes. So, yeah. What Which are the is chances? So <laughs> so what are the chances of that? His yeah. name is Sean. And he's, I, I'm still assuming he's listening to both of our shows. So I, I'll give him another shout out and be like, yeah, I cannot believe I sat on the beach in Jamaica in Montego Bay, listening to the sadness with the Boz and Duncan. And yeah, I, I again, blows my mind, but yeah, wow. check it out They're It's great. It's so, so, so bizarre. But yeah, like, so he's going to be coming back. So that's podcast on this. There's other ones, Teapot's Collective, which is full shows. Um, that are basically ways for me to indulge extra interest. So we've got Opera Omnia, which does season on season, picks a director and does their entire back catalogue of movies with a resident guest host or his Opera Omnia. Um, there's Where to Begin With, which every year picks a theme. And then basically I give you 10 picks, 10 reviews of movies within that theme that are good starting points, obscures, and will at the end of it hopefully give you an interest. This year we're doing... Um, film noir and neo-noir um, there is doing the nasty which is currently working its way through the tier 3 video nasties list um, and then the final one is Chronicle which is a European horror only podcast which this season has an open door policy so if you want to chat a European horror movie with me reach out and come across and chat and we'll get down and talking about European horror it's all under Teapot's cast and very much like Jay said thank you very much for having me back it's absolute pleasure I look forward to my next invite and I look forward to the next time I speak to Jay again as well Boom. There we go. We just like Cupid.com. These two motherfuckers are going to be podcasting there. Make sure you check it out. Jay, uh, thank you very much for joining us. I know you had to get off of work early for this. I really appreciate that. 
Same thing, Duncan. Um, you guys working with us to schedule this, you don't even know how much it means to me uh, and Tibu. Uh, we, we do this because it's fun. The last thing is, is in the background, I don't know if you guys can hear the siren going on right now, but you guys had previously run the gauntlet, but we are going to do the gauntlet part two. A couple rapid fire questions for you real quick here. So whoever answers first wins. Best movie you saw <laughs> in 2021. Mm. <laughs> Remember what my number one was last year? <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think. Last What's year, mate, is, you might as well Spider-Man. Spider-Man? <laughs> no, I'm just I just was trying to think Wait, of something. Wait, am I am I part of this? Sure, you can be part of this. I actually uh, physically can't remember what came out last year. Um, best, no. best horror movie you saw last Saint year. Maud. Saint Maud. Saint Maud. I'm gonna say Saint Maud. Saint Maud. I actually, yeah, it was Blood Creek. Actually, Blood Red Creek it was Blood Red Sky. Dang it. Blood Red I'm Sky. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to be fast. Uh I'm gonna yeah. say Roe, the Taiwanese folk horror film was my favorite from last year. Duncan? I can't remember. <laughs> it wasn't Saint Maud because I saw Saint Maud the year before. Um, what the fuck came out last year? What did A24 put out last year? Uh, lamb. <laughs> lamb. No, no, it wasn't Lamb. I can't remember what I saw last year. That's going to annoy me. Favorite non-horror movie you saw in 2021? Uh, once again, I can't remember what came out last year. Um, this guy needs to watch stole, some more movies. Stole, uh, stole for me. <laughs> there. Uh, I'll just check uh, Travis, uh, Tibu, what do you got, buddy? Favorite non-horror movie 2021? Um, What the fuck? Why are you putting me on the spot? Bitch, I didn't watch much fucking non-horror last year. I, I'm, I'm solely dedicated All to right, this All right, so you're saying Bob, Bob's Burgers. All right, Jay, what that do you That came got, out buddy? this year. What the 2021, fuck? 2021, uh, No Time to Die was my favorite. That was about Bond that, film. It was incredible. I, I would agree with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Duncan, favorite non-horror movie you watched? Uh, I, <laughs> I now have my top horror list from 2021. Thank fuck. Um, number one for me was... Oh, fucking obvious as well. Sensor. Okay. Nice, okay. nice, nice. Absolutely. Awesome sensor. movie. Awesome movie. Would you rather have a mullet or a ponytail? Go. Ponytail. Steven Seagal yeah. had a ponytail. Yeah, Easy. ponytail. Mm-hmm. Ponytail all day, son. Ricky uh, would you rather have bad breath or bad gas? Bad breath. Yeah, bad breath. Bad gas. I'd rather smell nice when I talk to people. For the rest of your life, you can only use one. Toothpaste or deodorant? Toothpaste. Toothpaste again with the bad breath. (laughs) I've kind of beat myself into that now. I kind of need (laughs) (laughs) You have bad gas? So he has to brush his teeth real quick. It's difficult to put toothpaste. Would you rather listen to the same 10 songs or watch the same five movies for the rest of your life? Same five movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My top five movies are pretty fucking sweet. Tibu. Ah, oh, man, that's so, yeah, five movies, I guess, because God damn it. Would you rather speak in rhyme or speak in riddles? <laughs> I'd speak in rhyme all the time. I'd speak in rhyme, oh. yeah, yeah, you did it, Jay, you did it. I'd rather right. speak in rhyme as well, yes. <laughs> riddles is like everyone around you is going to be like, what the fuck? Well, that's, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if you've met me before, but I like, I'm, I'm, I don't like a lot of people. A lot of people don't like me. So speaking in riddles would just solidify oh, that. I, I just... love you, bud. Don't worry. <laughs> Present company. It's good. Okay, for yes. the rest of your life, you can only use either your hands or chopsticks to eat. Which one? Hands. <laughs> hands. 
So you're going to go eat some soup and you're just going to be like, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I agree, yeah. by the way. I agree. Hands, but hands, all hands, yeah, hands, hands all around. Okay. Your transportation for the rest of your life is either going to be a camel or a rickshaw. Camel. <laughs> oh okay so so one wants a camel one wants a rickshaw now do you have right, to who's take... cycling though that's a good point who's cycling? you're cycling oh no what? fuck that camel. camel oh oh yeah no i well yeah. i took it as not, i get carried by the rickshaw yeah but that's what i thought to... i was like yeah like a prince like how far how far do you take it do you have to feed the camel and then also do you have to feed the rickshaw the guy yeah, you gotta feed you. the rickshaw bitch you got to fucking house him, pay insurance, health insurance, workman's comp. It's complicated. I'm going to go with the camel. That's right. Would you rather Camels don't a... get punctures. <laughs> Would you rather be in a romantic comedy with your enemies or a ho- horror movie with your friends? Horror movie with friends. Yeah. Oh, you, you selfish bitches. I don't know, man. Like, I think I'd rather be in the romantic want... comedy because at the end of the day, it's going to work out in your favor because they all do. And if you're in a horror movie with your friends, you're going to have to watch all your friends die. That's once again, up. see the aforementioned I speak in riddles. Nope, like, nope, too not bad, many too friends. <laughs> would you rather have, would you rather have a, a hook for a hand or a peg for a leg? <laughs> arr, arr. Hook, hook for a hand. I, I'm going to go peg for a leg. Peg, Depends peg. what hand we're talking about here. One's more important than the other. I'm going peg for a leg, bro. I'd rather be able to have all my phalanges versus like not be able to, like I can walk around still. Like I'm going peg leg. Arr. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you uh, for joining us. Speaking of pegging, we're going to have to wrap this up here. <laughs> we have other plans. I really, really want to say thank you uh for jay the dad and duncan mcleish for joining us make sure you check out jay the dad's horror movie weekly newhorrormovies.com check out duncan at the summer series teapots just just go on his shit he's got so much going on last podcast oh no 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 the podcast under the stairs wait one second wait one second wait one second Oh, oh, there it is! <laughs> yeah, you friends, you're going to be in a horror movie with me. Um, oh, yes, <laughs> that's a great podcast. But so is yours, and so is Jay's. Thank you all so hey, much for being on here. Thank we you love guys you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. you guys both uh, joining us for making this happen. Make sure you check out their stuff and tune in next time as we will be coming at you with a fireside chat. Smile